You ready? What? Your popcorn. Uh-uh. It's part of my bit. Okay. You'll see. Okay. There's a method to my madness. Hey guys, brand new podcast, and I'm just finishing up a little popcorn. I know. Yeah, see the bit I was going to do? Oh, that's the whole bit? <laughs> you just making an excuse for sounding all smacky? You sound all smacky. Oh. You are so full of shit. You know what? Your mind is so criminal that sometimes it's fascinating. You will do anything to get out of trouble. What do you think is the first thing I want to do when we get on the tour bus? Have sex? Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's my brain. Yeah, I know. Got Chris in that tour bus. Uh-huh. Body Shots World Tour starts Thursday in Portland, Seattle on Friday, Calgary on Saturday, and Vancouver, there are still some tickets left for both shows. A handful of tickets for both shows uh, Sunday night in Vancouver, Body Shots World Tour. Are you I'm excited? sex four times that weekend. With who? You, every morning. No. Gotta get it out of my system. No. You don't want to let that bus dry out. Oh, is that right? Yeah. If, if I don't have enough sex on it and make memories with you sexually. Oh, I hope Jesus is ready. <laughs> hey, did you just try to say Jesus? <laughs> yeah, in I your, did. Jesus. Um, <laughs> I have popcorn. I know. You like that bit? Yeah, that wasn't a bit. That was you. You not having Halston tell you what to do. That's what that was. No, Halston no, no, said, was finish bit. your popcorn. You were like, no, it's going to be my bit. It was going to be a bit for one of our sponsors. Oh, really? Yeah. Who's our sponsor? You know Orville Redenbacher? Do? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been a great new year so far. Yeah. Uh, we went skiing in Park City with the girls. If you want, if you want, you can see me knocking the wind out of myself and then my daughter kicking me in the head with her ski on my Instagram and my wife just fucking browbeating me. How did you fall? Why? How did, I didn't see you fall. I because didn't. You didn't that see is it not my perspective at all. Because you didn't see it. Ha- Speaking of falling. My mom's in town. <laughs> Burnt. <laughs> Burnt. That's so bad. Yeah, we were working on a bit about my mom. <laughs> my mom. She falls a lot. She falls. She, took... she falls a lot. She tripped today. Did you see her trip today? No. You didn't see her trip on the sidewalk? And Annie was, and I were behind her, and Annie was like, because <gasps> she tripped oh. on the sidewalk. The first time she fell was the day we got the day before we got married. <gasps> and she broke her tooth mm-hmm. you're right she fell in her own house she tripped, tripped over a step right and, fell, and then and she has been falling a ton she did and she's not she's that. not old she no. just is clumsy you, you call you call on the phone and you, <laughs> and you wake her up and you scare her <laughs> and she gets up and falls <laughs> hey mom <laughs> mom hang on dad's on the phone she's on the ground <laughs> uh yeah so my mom's in town she's been a blast i'm gonna open a bottle of wine in a little bit are you yeah Holster and i are gonna do our load-in reads uh load-in music so when you see me on tour i will be playing music load-in music uh for you uh, guys people don't know what load-in music um, is okay do you think i was just gonna go load-in music that's all you're gonna learn about that yeah that, that's I do. not what i was gonna fucking do all right i was gonna tell everyone is it part of your bit your <laughs> popcorn bit are you working that into your load-in music you're having sex four times this weekend maybe eight if we I do am? it at night yeah with the jesus no me and you <laughs> are lighting that thing is gonna smell like a sexual revolution yeah it's gonna smell like the late 60s here's what i say dream on dreamer yeah, you're not sick anymore. You know that, right? Dream on, dreamer. 
Maybe we'll just find a good glory hole. Anyway, um, I don't know. I, I don't even know what I'm that means. A bit about glory holes. Is that a geyser? You don't know what a glory hole is? No. Why would I know what that is? You don't know what a glory hole is? Why the fuck would I know what a glory hole is? What is that? It's, a, it's, like, a, it's like a fun thing you do in camp. Is it like a knot in a tree and you stick your dick in it? Close. That's it? Yeah, but an elf doesn't grab it. What it's, grabs it's, it? It's, it's a, basically a hole in a wood. A squirrel bites a it? A hole in wood. <laughs> and on the other side is a girl or guy. And a guy puts his dick in there and someone blows it or fucks it. That's ridiculous. No. Most dicks aren't long enough to fuck through wood. Come on. Hold on. By the way, that makes it sound like my dick isn't long enough to fuck through wood. And I definitely can go through plywood. Plywood? Yeah. Like half inch? <laughs> You're on fire today, huh? Are these some Leantics? They're <laughs> a little bit of Leantics. I'm feeling so much better. I was so sick, and I feel yeah. so much better. I'm so glad. Um, Leanne and I are the fattest we've ever been. I am not the fattest I've ever been. I think not counting pregnancy. I was. I wasn't this fat when I was pregnant. <laughs> so maybe. Okay, so maybe, but I'm not any fatter than I was last year at this time. I'm the same fat I was before I did the 21 day fix, which is really sad. I'm very vulnerable saying this. I'm not the fattest I've ever been, but I am pre-sober October fat. Which is probably means it's a really good idea to double fist shove popcorn down your throat at a breakneck speed. That's my bit. My whole bit was I'm eating popcorn. (laughs) Ali Spagnola said that's a healthy snack. Not the way you made it. I yeah. couldn't eat my mouth turned inside out from the salt. Yeah. The and it's covered in butter. That but butter is clarified. It's no longer a snack. It's now just fat. I only ate half of it. It's just, you ate half of the fat that you made? I'm going to lose weight. On this tour bus, I'm going to lose weight. Not you know on why? that diet, dude. You know why? Why? I just bought a Withings Scale. Really? A Body Plus. Yeah. We just got a new sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by uh, Body Plus. It's brought to you by Withings. Withings. Withings is the is the brand, but the scale I got is the Body Plus. They sent me one in the mail, and I got to be honest with you, I don't open scales excited. I don't think anyone looks at a scale and goes, fuck yeah, but a scale is direct and honest with you, kind of like like uh, if you worked with a black chick. Like Black chicks don't fuck around. They tell you the truth. You're yeah. like a black chick. Like You tell the truth. My sisters lie to you. Yeah. My sisters like sweatpants. You're like a scale. You're <laughs> honest. And my sisters what? are like, yeah, you put on sweatpants and they're like, oh, this is comfy. Yeah, hey, we're feeling good, man. We're sitting crisscross applesauce on the on the couch. Who let's get a snack? Who wants popcorn? Right. A scale is direct and honest with you. And this scale is fucking awesome. It tells you your body. It tells you everything. Your it BMI. You, it tells you your it's it's got an app that goes on ISO or on Android. I don't know what iOS. iOS. Yeah. What's iOS stand for? Something operating system? Operating system. Internal operating system? Or, um, Mac, or whatever you decide to fucking Igloo do. operating system? <laughs> Withings shows you the data that people who weigh in regularly lose twice. It says that people that weigh in regularly lose twice as much weight, which is true. Really? During sober October, I weighed in in the mornings and at night every day. Yeah. And then the second sober October ended, I fucking didn't weigh in at all. I didn't weigh in at all. And I didn't care. Right. And I partied. And I fucking ate. And I remember I went through a sandwich phase. Do you remember me going through a sandwich yeah. phase? Yeah. I went through a sandwich phase. I went through I went through a hot sauce phase. Mm-hmm. I went through a beer, a beer phase. I'm going through a beer phase. Yeah. And my accountability starts this morning. I got this scale. I hooked it up to my phone. It's super easy to hook up. It's super easy to turn on. I put it right by the bed so that I'll weigh myself every morning. 
and I bought another one. I went on and I bought my own because I really do like this scale. Yes, I've never really had scale. a scale that goes directly in my phone. I bought another one to go on the tour bus because I will be on the tour bus half of the time in this month, if not more. And so I have one on the tour bus and I'm going to weigh myself every fucking day and I'm going to stay accountable. Well, Withings my- is more than just a scale though. Oh yeah. They have... a tracking devices they have sleep devices they have all kinds of different devices for better living it's a it's it basically is a company that has tools that will help it's a smart scale it tells you the weather it links up to your phone and gives you all the things i'm so i'm going to be accountable right now I, I want you guys to get one of these scales i want us all to lose weight together okay i know i get fat shamed i know it's funny I am fucking fat i'm coming out right now i'm coming out of the closet and saying i'm fat <laughs> i've never really thought i was fat I'm not, when Tom started fat shaming me, I never really, I, I was like, what is he talking about? <laughs> and then this morning I felt fucking fat. I took a shit and my tits were in my stomach and I was like, I'm opening this goddamn scale and I'm weighing myself. Here are my stats. Are you ready for it? Today, I weighed 246.7. Really? Shut the fuck up, Leanne. Yes, yes. 246? Yeah. My body fat, 36.5. Oh, that that sounds high. My muscle mass, 60 <laughs> 60.3 okay my bone mass 3.1 my body water 46 percent and my bmi was 32.4 okay okay i'm not going to post these on social media i'm going to just share them with you when i do the podcast when we have Withings as a sponsor and i want you guys to get one of these scales and let's lose weight together Let's weigh ourselves twice a day and hold ourselves accountable. Look at it in your phone and have that be a daily reminder of you need to lose weight. Here's what you can do. See for yourself why Tom's Guide named the Withings Body Plus the best overall smart, smart scale of 2018. Visit withings.com slash BurtCast for a special offer of 30% off any body composition scale. That's Withings, W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S dot com slash BurtCast for 30% off and let's all get on the road to better health. I'm telling you, go get yourself a scale. Hit me up on Twitter. Post your stats on Twitter. If you post your stats on Twitter, I'll post my fucking stats on Twitter. I'll post my stats on Twitter. I'm not posting them on Instagram because I don't that fucking make me. Instagram's where you lie to everyone and tell them you're better than you are. What? That's what I think. Oh, jeez. This podcast is also brought to you by Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy, sell stocks, ETFs, options, all cryptocurrencies, all commission-free. They strive to make financial services work for everyone, just not the wealthy. It's basically a non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers like myself and you to invest for the first time with true confidence. Simple, intuitive, clear design with data presented in an easy-to-digest way. Here's the best thing. Most brokerage firms are going to cost charge up to $10 for every trade. Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees for traded stocks, you keep the profits. It's super easy to design. I have it on my phone, and the charts are fucking super digestible. The market data, it, it it's literally four taps on your smartphone, and you trade stocks. It really is amazing, and they put things in like stock collections, like the 100 most popular sectors, like entertainment, social media, and like female CEOs, if you're like my wife, and you want to just support female CEOs. Dudes. Yeah. Um, you learn to invest by building your portfolio. You can discover new stocks, track your favorite companies with personalized news feeds. It really is fucking awesome. Robinhood is giving my listeners right now free stocks like Apple, Ford, Sprint to help bo- build your portfolio. All you got to do is sign up at BurtCast.Robinhood.com. That's BurtCast.Robinhood.com. 
Thank you, Robin Hood. Man, this is an all-around wellness. This is all my reads, all my po- all my uh, sponsors are just here to make you better. Well, yeah. That's all they are. They're just opportunities to be- make yourself better. For instance, hymns. Oh. I love hymns. Yeah. This is one-stop shopping for male personal wellness, for uh, hair loss, for ED. It, you can go do it all right there. You know that uh, the majority of ED guys are, are under 40? Not the majority, no. but there's a surprising number of... I didn't know that. Yeah. And did you know that uh, hair loss is super preventable if you jump on the the train to stop it early? Yes, I did know that. See Burt Kreischer. Yeah. 60%, 66% of the men lose their hair by age 35. Tom Segura is 39 years old and almost completely bald. He is? I am 46 years old. He doesn't even a, have any side a, hair? A couple years older than him. Just a few years older than him. Full head of hair. Full head of hair. So funny. Last last night we went to go watch the game. Me and him drove to the store to go get um, go get some beers. Mm-hmm. And the guy said to t- said to me, uh, uh, "Is your father going to come in?" And Thomas sitting in the car. Oh my! And I God. go, "It's not my dad." And he goes, "Oh, I'm sorry, sorry." He's like, "I didn't know you were into older guys." This is not my boyfriend either. And he goes, "Oh, he's so much older than you." And I said, "No, it's just because he never." You're full of shit. <laughs> You're totally full of shit. <laughs> Hair loss is slowly starting to move backwards. Do you have any bald spots right now? Let's stop it right now. I did this. I did what we are talking about on this read, and I I halted my hair loss. Listen, I still have some thinning hair, but I'm 46. I look fucking amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to stop your hair loss? Do it right now. It's super easy. Hims has the well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions that helps you keep your hair. No bullshit snake oil no stuff that you see in right away where you're like huh what the fuck is that they've got all of it the prescription stuff and the stuff that i they've got all of it no waiting room no awkward doctor visit all you got to do is go to forhims.com. it's super easy answer a few quick questions a doctor will prescribe you what you need and then the products are shipped directly shipped directly to your door is it super easy? You can stop your hair loss right now. Right now, you can stop your hair loss. That's we awesome. We can get skinny together. We can make money together. And we can stop our hair loss right now. All you got to do is be a listener to this podcast and get a trial month of Hims for just $5 today, right now, while supplies last. See the website for full details. This would cost hundreds of dollars if you went to a doctor or a pharmacy, but you don't have to. Go to forhimscom slash BurtCast. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash BurtCast for Hims dot com slash Burtcast. Wow, they sent pictures. Look at this. How fucking crazy is this? Tiger Woods right there. Oh, sh- that's crazy. That's not Tiger Woods. It looks like him from the top. Like if you were standing over him, if you were six feet seven. Totally. This podcast is also brought to you by Squarespace. Leanne can speak to Squarespace probably I better love than it. anyone ever. I love it. It is basically you make your own website. Yep. And and. It is dummy proof. I'm not saying my wife's a dummy, but no, I would definitely but say that you are the kind of person that goes, my phone's not working, my phone's not working, my phone's not working, and you're like, babe, the battery's dead. That's why it's not working. Yes, oh, okay. I am definitely that person. And square you, you tell them about your experience with doing my redoing my website and your website, Wife of the Party. I built my website. I'm about to build my friend's website when I get back from being on tour. Yeah, you have a cool um, idea, turn it into a website. Showcase your work, like Kathy does those baskets. Mm-hmm. And so Leanne's gonna build her a website to showcase her work. That's her content, that's her product, her service right there. You can promote your physical online or online business by building a website. Announce upcoming events like me, Leanne built mine, 
boat mine and i put all my body shots world tour on there yeah i buy i send everyone to my website that leanne designed on squarespace sold out an entire tour thank you squarespace yeah squarespace is so user-friendly it's really intuitive it's a great great way anybody if i can build a web- website anybody can build a website yeah, they give you beautiful templates co- created by world-class designers powerful e-commerce functionality lets you sell anything online the ability to customize the look the feel the settings the product just literally a few clips optimize everything right out of the box a new way to buy domains from over 2200 extensions analytics to help you grow in real time built-in search engine optimizations free and secure hosting nothing to patch or upgrade ever and better than anything on this whole list is 24-7 award-winning customer support. Here's the call to action. Go right now to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code BERTCAST to get 10% off your purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com, and enter the code BERTCAST to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Thank you, Squarespace. I gotta go. Uh, I gotta go get Georgia. Okay. You good? You good without me? No, I want to tell you about Noom. Noom? Yeah. Well, you tell Halston about Noom. Halston, do you know about Noom? I don't. Let me basically tell you what Noom is. Noom uh, introduces a new way to have a relationship with food for you, all in the palm of your hand. That's what I love about Noom. When I did lose weight, whenever I have lost weight, I've tracked my calories. It's really important to know what you're putting into your body. There's this uh, woman online that I absolutely love. I've had her on the podcast. Her name's Ali Spagnola. She just started a new workout channel. I forget the name of it. Can you look that up, Alex Bagnola? It's on her. Uh, it's on her Instagram. But she said something so brilliant today. She said, "Your calories in are way more important than any working out. You're never going to outwork a bad diet." She's like, you know, if you eat one Snickers bar, it's 250 calories. And I started going like, you know, one one of the things when I've gained weight this this month is I got away from from being responsible with what I put into my body. I just was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm going through a sandwich phase. Not realizing sandwiches sometimes like 900 fucking calories. 900 calories is. I, I hiked seven miles today because I'm fucking focused right now, and it was a thousand. It was a long fucking walk for one sandwich. Here's what you can do: kick off your New Year's right, and get on the right track, and help stay on the right track by meeting your goals with Noom. Noom doesn't say you can't have certain foods. It teaches you about moderation, something I know absolutely nothing about. So when I do go overboard, there's no shaming. There's just tips on how to get back on track tomorrow. It's all in the palm of your hand. You literally type in what you eat. If you don't eat, if you skipped a meal, and you don't need to be some celebrity to have a personalized trainer, you've got your own support team right there. Your goal specialist is a behavior-changing professional, a nutrition expert, and a fitness trainer all in one a community is all built in right there group discussions with fellow new members keep you encouraged all of this for less than the price of a single appointment with a nutritionist or a personal trainer i'm using noom i think you sh- should use noom and take the fucking agony out of food tracking easy 30 second online evaluation shows you how much weight you can lose and keep off guys let's do this together there's a guy vance hines do you know who vance hines is i do vance hines has lost over a hundred pounds and his vo- story is going viral. It's all over the line. Uh, and and I've, I'm embarrassed to say this, quite honestly, because I've gained my weight back. But he says I was his inspiration. I can't even be my own goddamn inspiration. 
So now I'm using him as an inspiration, and I'm going to use all my sponsors to get us there, and Noom can take us there. Here's what you do right now. Noom is designed for results. Meet your resolutions by signing up for your trial today at Noom.com slash BurtCast. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com slash BurtCast to start your free trial today. Again, that's Noom.com. Start losing weight for good. Thank you to all my sponsors. My manager just called. Did I book it? Hey, Bert, it's Corey. Oh, all right. We're getting on to a call. Oh, am I? Oh, shit. Do I have a conference call right now? You can finish up. Oh, who is it with? Uh, With the team to discuss the meet and greet. Okay. Oh, yeah, call it five. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> All right, hold on. Give me two seconds and I'll get out of this podcast. Yeah, don't worry. All right. So uh, those are my reads. Those are my sponsors. My phone call started now. So let's start the podcast. Don't you love the reality of this fucking podcast? Don't you love how much fun this fucking podcast can be? Uh, my guests today are two guys that are doing it their own way. I love the way they're approaching this business model. They have a TV show on court on Comedy Central called Corporate. It starts premiering January 15th and we just had an awesome conversation about about art and making products and doing things on your own and it's a fucking awesome show. Check it out. Corporate on uh on Comedy Central starting January 15th. These two guys are awesome. They created it. It's their show. They run it. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Ingbertson and Jake Wiseman. When I came back from Europe, I was smoking on like rolled cigarettes, my own rolled cigarettes. I was smoking a lot too. And uh, when I came back from Europe, I had a hard time breathing. I was like asthma almost. I still have, I honestly, whatever that was, I never had asthma in my entire life. And then when I came back from Europe, I was like, I think I have asthma. I have asthma. I have asthma too. Yeah. Well, now I do. <laughs> and so, um, and so, oh, here comes my, my, my bitch. Oh, hey, babe. Okay, great job. Thank you. Thank you, baby. Thank you. Um, and so then I quit smoking, but I kept dipping. And then I quit dipping, and I started chewing again. Here's the problem with me. You know, it's, you guys are very open and honest about everything, which I think is so oh, yeah. fucking cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, but there's a lot I'm dying to talk to you, not only just about the series corporate, which mm. is phenomenal. Oh, thank oh, you. It really That's is fair. phenomenal. really is. I haven't seen a full episode, but I've watched 27 clips. So <laughs> I feel like I've seen a full episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you got it. Isn't it yeah. isn't, it's, it's neat, though, that you guys do that in a way that you... It's almost a tad bit of a sketch show. Yeah. And yeah. They are, they are pulled out. You can pull out these scenes that are like five minutes long. I think that's the secret if you come from stand-up because it's like... If you tell jokes and you understand joke structure, you're just trying to get a lot of jokes in there. And so the yeah. narrative is the the way you get away with just doing kind of jokes and sketches you've always wanted to do. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. Um, but what I was going to say is the um, when I was a kid, I would, uh, if I was taking a shit, the only magazines we ever had in our house were Bizarre and Vogue. That's why my mom and mm-hmm. my dad didn't get magazines. That, but he was, you know, this. And I would get depressed when I see a beautiful woman in there. Mm-hmm. I get like I'd feel like my stomach fall from like I'll never get that. And like, this is while you're taking a shit. And I'm like maybe ten years old. <laughs> ten this years is, old, I'd look at a yacht this and is a beautiful an ins- woman. An insane go, image. Yeah, 
<laughs> Dude, one time I, w- I made a sandwich. I made a roast beef sandwich. This is the last story I'll tell about myself before we start talking about you. <laughs> I made a roast beef sandwich, and in the middle of making the roast beef sandwich, I had to take a shit. And so I was like, oh, little f- finish the sandwich. Go in and take a shit. So I take the roast beef sandwich into the bathroom, oh. start taking a shit. I'm eating the roast beef sandwich. Yeah. And my dad knocks on the door. He goes, buddy, what are you doing? I said, and I have my mouth full of food, and I go, take a shit. And he goes, what's in your mouth right now? <laughs> like roast beef sandwich anytime i'm like i've eaten pizza on the toilet and i've also like had a drink while peeing and i'm like that's the circle of life like literally just like it's like i know exactly what's happening here i uh it's just a continuous stream in stream out kind of situation i once walked into a bar in the men's restroom and there was this dude pissing and chugging a tall boy at the same time and it just felt like i was watching an infinite loop of like <laughs> what goes in must come out type of thing you can't do that in utah you can't you can't bring i got kicked out of two different bars for standing up with a drink you can't stand with a drink what? you can't stand with a drink not all over utah but in small cities in utah really because yeah because um they don't want you like definitely walking I both in both this once i was watching an mma fight and i just naturally stood yeah, but I had already walked to the bathroom with my drink, and the guy was like, "Hey, buddy, none of that around here." Yeah, and I didn't. I was like, "I'm not gonna leave my drink <laughs> at the bar." Yeah, and then come back and hope no one's fucked with it. Like, yeah, I was like, I'm taking. And so, but both instances, it was for standing and drinking. You can't stand and drink in Utah. Whoa, Either, you're not allowed to. I don't know if it's still going on like this, but you're not allowed to pour a drink in front of the person. They have mm-hmm. a thing called like, uh, like. Valhalla's curtain or something. Yeah, not Valhalla, I'm sure, but <laughs> that sounds so mystical. <laughs> but no, but it is something like that. It's called yeah. like Joseph's curtain or something. Oh yeah, and so, and so they have like a literally like a wall where like a, if it was a magician, they'd go back and make your drink behind it so you, no one can see them making a drink. Can't order order a double in Utah. By the way, yeah. I love Utah. Sure, but those are the weird things. Wait, where did you grow up? Texas. I grew up in a dry county in Texas, so if you wanted liquor, you had to drive half an hour to the county line That's to the liquor smart, store. That's you drive back home. All yeah. Uh-huh. Shit. yeah. <laughs> My wife grew up in a dry county. Our, our lake house is in a dry, was in a dry county. Yeah. And it's just, it just is so arcane to think. It's like, what are we doing? Yeah, yeah. you can't sell liquor on Sundays either. That is fucking that, infuriating. That happens more pla- a lot of places, a too. A lot of places. That's uh-huh. the day you should get to drink. Like that's yeah. the only day it really should be open. Yeah. They should marry that to gay rights uh-huh. and go, listen, we want gays to be able to marry and everything. Yeah. But we're also at the same time going to take away these arcane liquor laws. Yeah. Be like, okay, if you put them together, <laughs> they make sense. That's very true. That's a really good yeah. point. Wait, where did you grow up? Uh, New York. Where in New York? I was born in the city, um, but then we moved to Westchester with all the uh, Jews. Only child? No, I actually have three sisters. Really? Yeah, so I'm not... So I was the man was beaten out of me, uh, which was good. Um, yeah. But no, I yeah I have two much older sisters who could be my mom. They're like old enough to be my mom. They're half sisters and a younger sister because my dad is eighty five years old, and he was having kids up until he was fifty three. So he's a wild man. Three marriages. You guys still alive? three failed marriages. He's still alive. He's he has a cane. Um, he he's horny as shit, but he uh, can barely walk. Um, and he's pretty deaf. But he's like good, you know what I mean. He still yeah. loves football and gets mad when his team loses and shit like that. Um, but my mom was like fifteen years younger. Really? Yeah. Now, what does your dad think? Like, I know your both of your parents are supportive of your careers, wildly yeah. supportive. And but what does your dad think about? Because your I, I would say your take on life is very, um, very matter of fact. Uh huh. Like it's not there's there's a lot of what I connected with because I, I worked. I didn't work corporate, but I worked at Barnes and Noble. Yeah, and there is an that's corporate. Em- that's corporate. Yeah, there, and there is a there is a sincere 
emptiness that you have when you do those jobs where you just say, not only do I not matter in the big scheme of things, uh-huh. but I don't feel like I'm mattering in my own life. And the mm-hmm. lowest depression I've ever had in my life was that time I worked at Barnes & Noble and I it was connected to yeah. a bunch of different things. Right. But I remember walking through Washington Square Park thinking, how can any of these motherfuckers smile? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's funny. Yeah. It's like, it's, I think that's the ultimate. And I know you've dealt with depression a tad bit. Yeah. But, w- yeah. but what's your dad say when he hears your matter of fact take on life? He is, I he he's extremely proud of me and literally does not relate to me at all like he cannot like when he's watching the show i don't think he understands it at all he's just like you're on tv and that makes you happy right that's crazy wow you're on seth myers that's crazy but if he actually if he looked into the content of what we were doing he'd be like i made a mistake like he would have to (laughs) sort of deal with the his deficiency as a parent um but i don't think he even cares i think parents don't even if if they're not involved in the biz and this is the biz the entertainment biz uh-huh. um that they can't really understand like yeah. what you're saying is so crazy and so complex um especially because they're just watching the big bang theory or like i remember watching my dad watches like two and a half men and when they tell him to laugh he laughs you know yeah. and so when he'll watch my stuff he's like so it's kind of like bizarre right you know so i don't think he even takes in what we're saying he's just like they're on tv that's fucking crazy people like it right that's good um because he i don't think he can look at it if that makes sense yeah i binge watched a bunch of a bunch of your stuff these last three days and uh i'm in the process of development right now and I had a dream last night that I went in to pitch with you guys. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and and so just so you, I mean, just and anyone listening, and I'm sure you guys know this as well. I'm not yeah. saying anything anyone doesn't know, but we are uh, literally globally different entertainers. I mean, yes. I am, uh-huh. I am, no, I am, sure. I am yeah. literally like the perpetuance of the party, like nonstop. Everything's, everything's yes. going to turn out okay. Uh-huh. And I, I would argue that you guys have been almost pigeonholed in the exact opposite. But I think, I think it's the same. I think it's the same sensibility. I think it's just a different yeah. perspective. I agree. I was uh-huh. actually thinking about how how sort of disparate our styles are, but we probably actually see the world similarly, just a Very half click differently. Yeah, because um, yeah, I think I think a large part of what comedy sh- saying should do is a little unfair, but in my opinion, what I think it should do or what I want to see from it is cut through the bullshit. And yeah. I what I can't yes. so much of what I can't stand about life and actually so much entertainment. Um, and bad comedy is like here's what life is and it's a lie like just like no we're all happy and we're shiny and everything's yeah. good and yeah. and um and a man and a woman are together and they're happy forever and then they have <laughs> kids and they're all healthy yeah. you know that kind of like just this crazy insanity we're all perpetuating love is easy like that kind of shit yeah whereas i think you know you tend to probably have more fun with life than we do like you you definitely embrace i think there's probably a nihilistic side to you that we share oh, yeah but we just come at it from we're in pain and we just want to talk we think it's funny that you're alive for a very short amount of time and you spend a lot of that in pain and no one is really willing to talk about that in a funny way or or or, or desperation i i mm-hmm. you know one of the things one of the the uh i think i might be using this word wrong one of the tenets mm-hmm. i held in my stand-up was i never wanted to paint my daughters to be awesome mm-hmm. like i didn't like i didn't like you know isla has legit severe learning disabilities and mm-hmm. is dyslexic yeah and so learning and being around her has always been an uphill battle uh, just being a parent parenting her has been tough right and i never and she but she's very funny and so i never wanted to like go like isn't this a badass kid because oh, i know 
I know there are parents that are like, yep, Champ's doing great this season, isn't he? Look at him, look yeah. at him. And you're like, oh, he's going to be a date rapist. Like, yeah. that's who that kid is. <laughs> yeah. I, there's yeah. one kid that I fucking hate, and I know that kid because I grew up around boys like that. Yeah. And I was like, so I always wanted to be honest in my depiction of my family. Like, and yes. I think that honesty, that, that vein of honesty is where we're both on the same highway. Yeah. we. I just get off a stop earlier. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and, well, I think also, yeah. like, absolutely, just because honesty is what helps people. It just makes them feel better. It makes them yeah. just feel like, oh, I'm not so fucked up because someone else is as fucked up as I am. You know, if they're yeah, just I being think honest like, with it. Like, when you were working at Barnes & Noble and saw the show we made, maybe it might feel too dark for you at the time, but at least you could be like, well, they understand what I'm going through. Well, no, you know you what know? it is about dark comedy misses so often mm-hmm. more often than i i'd say I, let me just say rephrase that comedy in general misses so often oh, yeah. mm-hmm. but dark comedy takes such big swings mm-hmm. that in in a subtle way that people are quick to blame a failed dark comedy and mm-hmm. you guys have managed to destroy dark comedy like yeah. it is you're doing it so well <laughs> and i would argue you know in a lot of your short videos that you guys did before this those were fucking done well Thank like, you. Th- like, I'm, I'm in love with this fucking guy, uh, Bridger. Oh, Bridger Weininger? He is the Dude. funniest. He wrote for season two of our show. He, he is might a, be. He's a genius. He might. You got to follow him on Twitter. He's I one do, of the funniest. He's, he's, I'm, yeah. I do not follow him on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> Instagram, <laughs> hard Instagram is just pictures of garbage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, I, but it's, and then that's another thing I want to talk to in a second about is your casting is the, the way you guys cast is very just fucking it makes the dark comedy great well you know it's funny because i think one of the things i don't want to be too pretentious here but i think by the way that's all i do yeah (laughs) is i think when if you're if you're a comedian and you really like and you love comedy it means that you have a lot of complaints about it because if you're too complacent about the state of something you don't really love it because you don't see how much better it could be and it could always be better could always be realer could be more interesting and i think for us with the casting and the making of the show I think a lot of comedy is is pure silliness and, and that's not bad, but it's like based in just this sort of like insanity that I've never experienced where to me, the fact that you're alive, it's an unbelievable, statistically impossible gift that you're alive. Like literally the fact that you were the cum that made it is insane yeah. and you're alive and you're on this earth and there's gravity and you're animals and you're walking upright and then like you're in pain a lot and you get your one chance at life and you're in pain all the time is so funny. And so we just want to... And I think life uh, is comedy, but it feels like a drama. So we want to treat the show like a drama that's funny. Yeah, like Airplane. Yeah. Dude. Airplane is essentially a drama with jokes. And no one remembers that. Dude, Airplane's one of the best movies ever. ever. Le- Leslie yeah. Nielsen was a straight... Yeah, that's straight, right. He, everything's delivered straight. We yeah. kind of took that... We, that's actually kind of where we get everything from. Because if you really... You think of Airplane as a silly comedy. It's like he is in a drama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he yeah. is literally in a drama and so we write a drama and give very silly lines to that really intense drama really intense music we make it look like a drama and then we have like lance reddick from the wires talking about his penis and it's like that's yeah. like all i want comedy to be yeah yeah I, f- I feel like i feel like when i was in college there was a big book by douglas Coupling called Gener- generation x mm-hmm. and we all read that and was like me and my friends not everyone but we were like oh i don't want to be one of those cubicle fattening pens uh-huh. like i don't want to work in a cubicle yeah and i know that that meant a lot to me like getting out of that corporate mold and now gen x feels like and i saw an interview you guys did where this girl was like you know as gen x uh, as a gen x representative and an expert in corporate fi- or whatever mm-hmm. i just want to let you guys know that it's changing 
And I wanted to yeah. go, your <laughs> arrogance <laughs> is why you'll end up in a fucking... I think we shot cubicle. her down immediately. Dude, yeah. I loved yeah. it. I loved it. And then right after that, you defended yourself by going, I say a lot of fucked up shit. Like, <laughs> like, just so you know, I got a lot of fucking weird opinions that are coming, coming out. I'm going to apologize a lot. That fucking... I hated that girl. I hated... Yeah. I've never hated someone yeah. quicker. Than, I don't like grandstanding. And I don't like... That's the part... Of when I when we talk about when we talk about toxic masculinity and mm-hmm. and, and 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 corporate environments and that mm-hmm. almost talking down, I don't like the dude that I grew up with all my life. That's like, bro, what's up? You see the new Beamer out there? You know, yeah. like I hate that, and that is the same energy that that gen or that millennial girl brought to it. Like, just so you know, it's cha- that mm-hmm. arrogance, yeah. right? Well, because also it's like I don't. I feel like I'm a relatively smart human being and, you know, I'm in my mid thirties and I've learned a lot. I don't know shit. Like, I don't Dude, know anything. Like, I know yeah. so little you right learn, now. You know, so, you know, less and <laughs> you become, you know, less and less the older you get because every year you're like, wow. Yeah. Didn't know that either. Guess I know nothing. Like, and that's actually very, fr- it's scary because yeah. now you have kids and you got to know some shit, but you really know nothing and you know less every year and then your brain starts to go and it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, life is really just I've always, always a sk- out of my grasp. By the way, I've always been afraid if I don't have kids, but if I ever did, just like the questions they would ask me about basic American history that I no longer remember at all. Dude, I got, I've been getting into a very heated debate with my daughter about the word irony. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and That's tough. I would... Don't ever ask me to define irony, please. This is the one that she's hanging her hat on. It's <laughs> ironic to see a guy that works at Ralph's shop at Gelson's. I said, oh, I don't know if that's no, ironic, that's honey. Ironic, I don't yeah. think it's no. ironic. I think it's just coincidence. It's like, <laughs> it's just happenstance. Oh, and, man. But, and, then, and then I start using words like, that's hyperbole. And she's like, huh? <laughs> and then we start fighting about hyperbole. Yeah. And my, my oldest daughter is a, sh- she loves that little fucking, she is that that millennial that stands up and goes just so you know we're fixing everything Uh (laughs) that i just well it's interesting because i don't i'm now happy to understand that uh my generation doesn't know anything just like the prior generations we know a little more than the last generation but essentially nothing and the generation uh after us or the generations after us pretend they know stuff and they're going to get to a certain age where they realize all their opinions are wildly conservative even though they think they're wildly liberal and that every generation Mm -hmm. will just repeat this until they die they're gonna just everyone's just gonna be like oh shit i knew nothing i hope i just get to take care of my family yeah you may not move the needle forward slightly yeah but barely one of the things I had when I, I when when I first saw that David Hogg kid from uh, Parkland, you remember that kid? So intense looking. Uh, yeah, he was. Oh, right? oh him and Ben Shapiro look like brothers. Yeah, and so <laughs> that's so true. He uh, when I first heard him, heard him talking, I I, di- I didn't realize that the alt right was going to come down and try to assassinate this kid's character. Yeah, I I just got really offended that his dad let him have opinions out loud. It was pretty wild that like <laughs> yeah. people in our community were like retweeting him. I'm like, the dude doesn't have pubes. Like, what are we talking He's about? A kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's my like, dad would never let me have an opinion at that age. Yeah, at that age, if yeah. I decided to talk in, on the news, my dad would be like. No. Yeah. Sit the fuck <laughs> yeah. down. Who yeah. the fuck do you think you are? And I was like, who's what's his dad do? Like I want to know more about his dad because having you know, I my dad and your dad, your dad's older than my dad, but those those type of men that had to like they they came birthed out of a different humility, if that makes sense. Yes. How yeah. old's your dad? Sixty three. Okay, your dad's pretty young. Yeah. Got it. Ellen DeGeneres is sixty. And he looks great. <laughs> he looks just like Ellen. what is your dad like a texan no he grew up in iowa he's like uh (laughs) same same yeah it is basically yeah yeah, he's like a nice good midwest man like a quiet 
won't tell you about his emotions, cried at my sister's wedding, which made me bawl. Oh. That's what I've learned is seeing my dad even get a little teary-eyed, I break down emotionally and can't function for a few days after that. Oh, this is a good game. Let's talk about <laughs> times we've seen our dads cry. Oh. my! The only time I... I saw my dad even cry a little bit and it was just the beginning of it was when I was leaving for college. It was like the night before I was going to go take a plane uh, to college and um, he just was like, I'm going to miss you. And then he he like wouldn't let me see the tear, but he like he left out of the room before I could actually see the tear. But that's the only time. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know I meant that much to you. Oh, I'm everything to you. Oh, yeah, yeah. right. That thing. <laughs> he had yeah. to say, as I always say, when old men cry, they got to say racial slurs to make it better. <laughs> you guinea wop, you. <laughs> you mick redheaded drunk yeah. Irishman. <laughs> They're all Tony Soprano, basically. <laughs> my dad, the, I, I've seen my dad cry a lot lately. My dad's gotten cried more as he's gotten older. Really? What do you think? What do you attribute that to? I think just... Because he's like, my, my dad's a really like good, sweet guy, but like, yeah, like kind of a quiet, reserved dude. But as he's gotten older, I think it's like fucking you see life happening. It's like, oh shit, my kids are getting older and like my mom died. And it's like just things, you, the, the reasons you you weren't crying when you were a kid don't make sense to you anymore, I think. How often do you cry? A, uh, a lot, I'd say, for the average man. Mm -hmm. um, I cry really easily. I think ever since I had kids... I cry really easily uh, at movies. Movies just trigger yeah. me anything. We were mm -hmm. talking about this at the very beginning, but yeah. like Pretty in Pink, when uh -huh. the cars move away. Dun, 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 dun. Me? Yeah, you. Oh, my, I mean, I just got, I just, I got the vapors right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, The Time Traveler's Wife, man. Oh, fuck. I can't even tell people about it and I'll yeah. cry. It is, it is, I was so happy when I started just crying involuntarily more as I got older, because it's like, th I know that that's good. I know yeah. that men should cry more. I know that that's like, oh. obviously women are crying constantly, and that's just like a biological difference, but clearly there's, they have more agency to do it, and they're allowed to do it, but I want to. Every time I do, I'm like, it's like coming. It's just like, oh, thank God that's good. out of there. It like, I'm not going to so fucking good. do yeah. anything terrible if I do it. I'm crying a lot lately, because, so a year ago, my little sister got married, and as a gift to her, I had somebody shoot the wedding and now I'm editing it and it's taken me a fucking year because I have slacked off for a fucking year and I'm finally finishing it. But that is like a bomb of tears. It's like my dad tearing up, bringing her down the aisle, oh. him giving a speech and tearing up. I So I'm editing this video just crying at my computer all day. It's a fucking, <laughs> it feels insane. Dude, I, the, <clears throat> one of the, one of the, the I, I never cried up until I was like 20, maybe 29 mm -hmm. I, like i just yeah. and I, I think i was raised that way where you don't cry yeah of course you know, like you're not allowed to cry you're a man mm -hmm. it's really fucked up that there's all the stuff that's happening with um with blaming men right now and there's a lot that we are very guilty of i think yeah a lot of it was so out of our control so wildly out of our control when i'm watching 16 candles last night um anthony michael hall rapes that girl Oh like, yeah, yeah. Totally I, I, I just rewatched that movie and he, that was he insane. raped her. He yeah. raped her. Yeah. He they he says she says he says did we have sex last night? She's like I think so. And he's like was I good? And she goes I think so. it's like oh no that's rape that's fucking totally rape. Yeah. That's how we were raised as children. Like yo if the girl's drunk fuck around with her. By the way, luckily that never happened to me. Like I'm mm -hmm. luckily 
I was one of those guys where I'm so, I've only had sex with six chicks, mm-hmm. so that I, I was I was so emotionally needy that if she was too <laughs> drunk, I'm like I'm not getting what I need. Yeah. And yeah. and there's a part of me I think because I was raised with sisters is I always <clears throat> flipped it into that you know that's not to say that I never got fucked up and party with chicks, but it's just I never I never I was never predatory about women. Yeah. I'm I still. My hardest thing in the world was kissing a girl. Yeah. Like that first kiss. Oh, it's so oh, hard. It's terrifying because you're just in your head. You're like, but what if she doesn't want to? What if I'm bad? Well, she couldn't possibly want to kiss me. Uh, wait, should I? How do I do it? Do I ask her? Do I? There were girls that thought I was gay. I took so long to kiss them. Mm-hmm. Like literally That said, was most of my life. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. was my whole life. And then you kiss them. They're like, you kiss them. And like, I thought you were gay. Like, why are you kissing? I mean, I'm fine with it. But yeah. I assumed. Yeah. My first kiss happened while watching, I think, Harold and Kumar. And my first, <laughs> and I lost my virginity while watching the movie Hocus Pocus. Wait, was that in a, where did I hear that? Well, we put it in the show. You but put it in the show, but yeah. It's a, but it's a <laughs> real story. We're Brett Midler's. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my buddy lost his virginity. Uh, this is my favorite song anyone's ever lost their virginity to. My buddy Pete uh, lost his virginity over in, at the end of October. And yep. he was in a car, yep. and they were starting to fool around. And right when they started to have sex, the songs changed, and it turned into "It Was the Mash." <laughs> it was the, monster, the monster mash. Oh, <laughs> what a horrible song to lose your virginity. Yeah, I thought you were gonna say "Who Let the Dogs Out." Uh, My song was "Colors, Colors, Color." <laughs> I wasn't listening to it during sex; we were yeah. silent. But after sex, it was "Colors," and mm. that's why I got in the car, and that was the first song playing, and that is my my virginity song. A nice silent virginity. <laughs> it was so quick, we didn't have time to put hit play. Would, even if we hit play, it would have been over by the time the song started playing. God, I, love, I look back at that and go, that that one night fucked me up with women so bad. Why? What happened? It just was very traumatic. It was not. It wasn't. Um, I thought it. It was everything was set up to be like. And there's a part of me that was like, really, is that guy that? I guess it's like a hopeless romantic where I, pretty in pink and. Dirty Dancing and all these movies really, or Sweet Sixteen Candles, not Pretty in Pink. Um, and then if I said Rape at Pretty in Pink, that's the different one. I meant Sixteen Candles. No, you said Sixteen Candles. But like, mm-hmm. I, I, I really want the perfect. I want things to be perfect. It might be a, being a little bit of a perfectionist too. Mm-hmm. And when I first had sex, I, I just fucked up everything. I mean, it was like really like just a comedy of tragedies, mm-hmm. just of tra- comedy of errors. Is I didn't know how to put the condom on because I'd never had a condom before. So like I unrolled it all the way mm-hmm. and like she's like naked on the bed and I'm at the corner. I unroll it all the way and then I'm like, okay. Like, cause in my head I was like, my mom rolls my socks up. All, all right. Like, okay. So, and then I grab it at the base and I go to slide it over. But as I push down, yeah. like it doesn't go on like a no. sock because no, no, no. it inflates. And now, so now it's inflated yeah. and I'm like, wait, this can't be right. This Like I'm, and so I'm trying to squeeze the air out of it oh. and it looks like I'm just making balloon animals. Yeah. I'm not even, I'm, I know this sounds like a bit. So then I throw that condom away. I go back out. I go to my buddy, Jeff. I go. I need another condom. He's like, that was quick. I was like, long story. I need another condom. <laughs> so I go back in, and this time things make sense. Finish reservoir tip. Okay, yeah. I roll down. As as I rolled it down, I went, that felt good. And yeah. so, and then I got on top of her and literally had one pump, pulled back, and it was over. Oh, it was over. <laughs> and I was like, that was really quick. And then she said to me, um, "Are you going to put it in?" And I looked down and my dick's between her butt cheek and the bed. I didn't even fuck her. And I was oh. so 
I was like, I didn't even lose my virginity yet. Like, oh fuck. Oh. And so then I had to start all over with a compromised condom. I had to. I had oh. lost my virginity, and so and I and all I'm thinking is I'm getting her pregnant. Like this is I'm splashing. It's like yeah. it's like go. It's like if someone said, "You want to go on a hike?" And you're like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah." And then you walk from the parking lot to the head of the trail, but it's still an aggressive walk for you. Yeah. And then when you get to the head of the trail, they're like, all right, you ready to start hiking? And you're like, what? I already jumped in a river. <laughs> Fuck. I had a friend in college who he was going to lose his virginity and it was similar. The woman was on the bed. So he went into the bathroom to like put on the condom and he started essentially fluffing himself with his hand. So getting himself ready. And then he got so excited by jerking himself off that he came oh my God. and he was not able to have sex. So he lost his virginity at an, another date because he just ended <laughs> up jerking off completely Dude, there should be that should be a just horror stories of people who, yes because they're all horror stories yeah yeah there are all of them are no one i would defy someone to be like no it was perfect <laughs> like my wife i think said hers was perfect it's it was like, 12 minutes long mean? and we both came it's like <laughs> never to do the no. next time i didn't i had sex that time i had it one more time one more time with the same girl uh and it was just as bad, equally as bad, equally as bad. Um, and then I had it again with that same girl my senior year mm -hmm. or my junior year, maybe maybe my junior year. No, my senior year. And then I got a girlfriend. And I was like, I'm, and it was just as bad. And I was like, I'm done. I'm not going to have sex again. I'm, I'm not good at this. And I'm not. And I, I'm like, and I, I'm, I want to be with someone I trust and that I can talk to about. Like, I want all the things that I heard sex should be. And so I, I didn't, I dated this girl my whole senior year, never had sex with her. By the way, she was also younger than me. She was like 16. I was 18. So mm -hmm. not that, not that, by the way, being honest, not that that ever registered in anyone's mind back then. Oh yeah. Like course, you yeah. definitely seniors dated freshmen. That was oh. not an issue. Yeah. Now it's definitely an issue. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. But, um, and then I went to college and I had sex with this chick that I ended up dating for five years. Yeah. And I was like, I listened to Pink Floyd's The Wall. Oh, nice. That's oh, a classic. Did yeah, you yeah. have a lava lamp? I know, but I had some fluorescent posters yeah, in course. my dorm room. Yeah. You know, it's Burka funny. stocks off to the side. The <laughs> thing about sex, another thing about being raised as a man is like, you don't, they tell you like, you got to go out there and fuck a million people. And they don't really talk about the fact that you're sensitive and might be traumatized easily oh. and that you should really t like calm down. It's not really about numbers. You should just like feel comfortable. It's hard to stay erect. Like mm -hmm. if you're an emotional yeah. person at all and you're not a sociopath, like staying hard is not easy. In fact, I just want, this is just makes me think in porn, people are always um, talking shit about the women in porn for being fucked up. And that's really unfair because the men in porn are really fucked up because if you can get hard at the drop of a fucking hat in front of a crew of 40 people, you are a sociopath. And like no one ever talks about that. Like the idea that getting hard for me is a very emotional. It's like, I got to really be in the zone. I got to trust the person. Getting hard. Yeah. It's like, like a, you can get hard like that. It's like, get hard. Come on them right now. It's like, yeah. that is a crazy person. Yeah. That is a really that is a that is a disconnected human being is like yeah i need to come now yeah what yeah. are they thinking of it's not a good thing like yeah. there's no way that it's healthy have you ever seen have you ever seen like gone to a taping of a porn no i have not uh i i don't think i have i'm trying to think if i have i've but kind of i was a, a dominatrix yeah. gimp for a day yeah but um i remember one time this girl we were i had a tv show was gary valentine gary valentine is kevin james's mm -hmm. brother yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and so i just say that for the people listening yeah but gary valentine was there and my buddy Weecho was coming to town and this girl was this porn star and she's like hey um, i'm working this weekend if you want to come watch me work and i was like oh yeah i go listen my buddy Weecho's 
um, coming in town. Do you mind if I bring a friend? She's like, yeah, that's fine. And then Gary Valentine and Kevin James walk down the hall. I go, hey, guys, we're going to go to the set of a porn. Do you guys want to come? And she yeah. just goes, hey, I'm getting fucked not making a sweater, okay? <laughs> 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 I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> sorry. And yeah. so we ended up not going. Yeah. But, it, yeah, the, I this, I feel a connect with strippers, like, as a comic. Mm. Oh, yeah. Because, like, there is a, like, a vacantness to you when you have to work where you, you th- I think the average person thinks, you know, like, a stripper's like, ah, oh, I can't wait to get naked and dry hump. But she's like, I'm just trying to pay the bills. Yeah. And yeah. I think we're like that a, lot, a tad bit where we're like, just. I'm just getting up there and getting... Yeah. And, well, and, yeah, you forget that, like, a stripper probably had an awkward conversation with her mom two hours before she was on. It's like, <laughs> what she's thinking about right before she starts yeah. doing that. It's the same thing with comedy, where it's like, sometimes you're just in a weird mood, and then you have to, five minutes before you get on stage, like, click in so that you don't go up and say <laughs> weird things and bum the audience out, you know? Oh, I've said the weirdest... i said the weirdest shit, too, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I've made audiences so uncomfortable before. <laughs> yeah, especially when I was young, I it, where you just are like, oh, this will, this will vibe them. And, spe- and my my thing was, I'm such a nice guy that yeah. whenever I I spit venom, it me just, too. It they are like, what the fuck? Yeah, I did a show at the West Side Comedy Theater once, and uh, I was up like second to last, and then the whole show, every comic that went on and came out was like there's this fucking drunk woman in the front row. She's ruining it the whole show. Like, she's heckling constantly. And so I was like, in my mind, I was like, fuck this. I'm like not going to take any shit from her. I went out there. I Within 10 seconds of setting up my first joke, she like blurts something out. And I like leaned down. I was like, shut the fuck up. Everyone hates you. <laughs> and... <laughs> and nobody liked that <laughs> the whole lot i was expecting the audience i think to be like on my side nobody was on my side and i yeah. spent the rest of the set apologizing and just like oh. making it weird it's also tough it when it's terrible. like if it's a if it's a female heckler i find it way more difficult because with men i feel like they're they don't like that you're on stage and they're not like i think they feel emasculated yeah. so i always try to emasculate them to the fullest and it gets weird like yeah. there was a time for a year straight where every male heckler i said i'm gonna come on your face i just said i'm gonna come all over your face and then i'm gonna fucking lick it off just to emasculate you and they were like what like the audience is like i don't understand what this is psychologically but in my mind this was doing a lot and it's like no one liked me. but early in comedy you're bad at dealing with hecklers i guess is the point yeah dude i told a girl one time god made your mouth for one thing and it's not talking and oh, fucking no. the crowd was like, whoa, <laughs> yeah. easy, Bert. Yeah. She's a yeah. human also. Yeah. yeah. You forget that people are humans very quickly. I swung, I've swung the total exact opposite end of the pendulum. I said something very innocuous to this couple who's a white dude and an Asian chick. Very innocuous about him meeting her family. Like just going, have you met her? Have you guys met each other? Have you met each other's family? And he got fucking really pissed. Hmm. And he, I, and I, I don't remember exactly how it went down. I'm sure I'm, 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 I'm shading it in my direction. But mm-hmm. like the premise was that, uh, the premise is that uh, sometimes Asian parents are racist against them. Their daughters dating white dudes, mm-hmm. and and he got, he was like, you, how dare you? How dare you? And he got really upset. And everyone's like, light him up, Bert. And I was like, no, yeah. that's. And this is where I probably to a fault, but I go no. I want to hear his opinion. Yeah. And I want to listen to him. And I'm, 
I said, sir, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if that's what you thought I was doing. It's not what I was doing. Yeah. And I, and I apologized. And he was like, and then they just got up and left like 10 minutes later. Sure. And I was like, and then I talked shit about him. But, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I, but I don't have, it's the thing. I don't know if I, like, I, I keep wanting to say, I don't know if one of you said it. Um, but I, I don't mind outrage. I don't mind mm-hmm. political correctness. Like people think, I don't know where I heard this. I heard someone say this somewhere. I don't mind political correctness because it, it's it brought about, about a lot of really great things. Yeah, yeah. and also like I, I just feel like okay, so someone's being politically correct. I'm I'm glad I know that about the audience. Yeah, like it's like it's mm-hmm. just to me it's like oh I'm taking like this is what people are thinking now. It's my job as a comedian to understand what people are thinking and choose to go against that or work within that. Any new boundary is just makes you work harder and i think that's good yeah it it takes the laziness out of it like i remember when we you know this is really funny but like the i i'm i apologize because i can't say the f words i confuse people Mm -hmm. but when i first moved to new york you couldn't say faggot on stage like i'm being serious Mm -hmm. and i know that people say they did but you could not because we were in the village and it was very gay community Mm -hmm. you just couldn't say that so no one said it Mm -hmm. no one made fun of gay people Right. In New York, when I first started, and I understand that people are thinking, "Come on, Bird." In the '90s, I'm being serious. You right. couldn't just be like, you know, "What's up? What's up with these faggots?" Like people would be like, "Whoa!" It just sounded. It sounded like the M word in the village. Yeah. Now, you, on the road, you could definitely say it. Mm-hmm. But so I remember the first time I went on stage and I said some. I said the word "fag," and everyone was like, "Hey." And then I was like, and then I got out of the room and I looked at the room and I went, "Oh wow!" I was like 26 years old. I'm like, "Okay." I was like, mm-hmm. wow, I guess that word's kind of out of my vernacular. And you, and it, it just changed because I went from Florida State where it was the word you said, your term of endearment for all your, <laughs> fr- you said that so much at Florida State. Yeah. That then I went to New York. I was like, okay, cool. And and I was like, it's that growth where you go, that's just the change. And now it, got, it came to the place where it's like, you know, I mean, I think it's swinging a little hard right now. It's like, if you ever said it, how dare you? And you're like, sure. okay, come on, let's just admit the mm-hmm. the world was really different ten years ago, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. But um, but yeah, it's it. So I and I always think people brand friendly. They go, oh, Bert, you got to stand up for free speech. I stand up for free speech a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I'll die for free speech, but free speech should also grow. It's and you all, also just should consider other people. That's it. <laughs> it's just it's also just yeah. weak to say that you're. To say that you're a victim if you're like, I can't say what I'm uh, what I should be legally allowed to say. It's like, you're allowed to say it. You just said it. You're not going to jail. Yeah. Like everything. That's yeah. all free speech is protecting. That, that, you're not yeah. going to jail. That's they what free have, speech is. Apparently, they don't have, they legit, don't, I mean, by the way, and I'm, I don't know what I'm saying because I don't know anything, but apparently they legit don't have free speech in, in the UK. Well, and also China, like yeah. just so many places, they'll put mm-hmm. you in jail for speaking freely. You can say whatever the fuck you want here. And also, I just think like if someone's going to be like, you can't say that and you get upset, you're weak. You're like weaker than yeah. they are for mm-hmm. sure. And and part of the beauty of what we do is to take what you can't say mm-hmm. and frame it in a way that you can say it mm-hmm. and have people laugh at it and then go. There, that's the art form. Absolutely, sure. and if you're super funny, you can say whatever the fuck you want. Dude, Are you kidding me? I've, I've, the hardest I've ever laughed is at Louis C.K. Uh, defining the N word to Patrice O'Neill. 
Have you ever heard that? Is that, that? on like no. Opie and Anthony? You've or never heard that? No. No. I mean, I've heard the N word bit from Louis on stage. No, but no, I've no, never... no, no. It is the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. The yeah. funny, without a doubt, the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. And it, it was, it was not masked. It mm-hmm. was not shrouded in any kind of PC. Yeah. It was the fun. It was Patrice defining uh, a Jewish slur to to Louis mm-hmm. who is Jewish yeah and tell them how how they came up with that Jewish slur <laughs> and then G- Louis telling Patrice how they came up with the M word and you, it is the well I think I, like I fucking pulled my car over laughing and I was like this is and by the way just to be fair this was like 10 years ago yeah but I was doubled over I think the difference with that too and I mean that was on the radio so it was obviously for public consumption is just that they both essentially like consent, not to use that word, but consented to, or they're both know each other. They're friends. Yeah. So they're like friends and the people listening are fans. So that's the difference between like, versus just like if Louie did that to a, would not do that to a random it black. Could, it <laughs> yeah. could, it was, yeah. it was, and it, and it came, it was punching up because Patrice had said the slur that Louie is to him. Mm-hmm. And so it was fair. It was, it was, it was, it was the, it's the nuance of comedy. It's like, you can't just go out. If he went out and goes, you want to know how they came up with the N word? Yeah. And everyone would be like, easy. Where the fuck's this coming yeah, yeah, from? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, did, did, uh, in your circles in stand up, is mm-hmm. everyone still super, super anti Louis? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very, though we don't, I'm a little divorced from the stand up circle now because I'm sort of half at the comedy store, half at, in the, uh, quote unquote alt scene in LA yeah. so I don't know exactly I don't know how really I don't know how people feel publicly versus how they feel privately if that makes sense I don't know how people a lot of times in comedy especially social media I feel like there's posturing and it's like wait do you act are you actually upset or are you just saying this because you feel you should I never really know and honestly it always is strange kind of who actually gets upset about stuff it's interesting to me because a lot of my friends a lot of the female comics are still very anti Louis, mm-hmm. and I think I think what it is. I'll use Lisa Traeger as like an example. Mm-hmm. Super funny comedian. Super funny. Super fun funny. hangout to hang out with. I fucking love her, mm-hmm. um, and she's been very vocal against Louis. And I think I think a lot of it is just. I don't know if it's, and I can't put words in her mouth, but she'll be on the podcast. She can t- talk about it then. But it's not as much of the sexual thing as it is the power dynamic that's in this business where as a woman you can't say no as a woman you're put in this bad situation because she said i think she said i'm paraphrasing she said if he had asked her to do that in front of her she would have been like fuck yeah (laughs) but Mm -hmm. but she's going to defend the women that didn't have an opportunity to say yes or no yeah that's the thing that's that's weird in this business is where you hear things that are coming out about the me too it's the power dynamic well that is like it's very important because like i mean we we've now run a show so like now having been in a positions of power on a show the thought of somebody taking advantage of that is pretty horrific yeah yeah I, so I, yeah. so like i can you imagine coming to work yeah well dude it's and also going like, and going fuck here we go i'm in the fucking pen They're yeah coming at me now well it's also just yeah. like kind of what matt was saying it's like we had we have now had the exact job that louis had when he did that stuff and it is obviously way sort of cooler to be like give him a break or whatever but we hired friends for those jobs under us yeah and if we 
like asked one of our friends who was like the writer's page to come in and be like, can we jerk off in front of you? We should get fired and we shouldn't have that job again. Because if you don't under, we literally understand what that job is and how unfair it is to put someone in that position. And an incredible comedian, but you can't do that to people. You can't even. You can't do that to people. You can't even yeah. like, because there is, you can't even hit, like hitting on someone. Right. I, I think they should make it illegal to sleep with anyone in the workplace. I think that yeah. should be across the board illegal. Not just, not not like just fireable, but it should be a misdemeanor as well because it, it just saying it's okay with one couple mm-hmm. makes it okay for the guy to try with anyone. And right. I've had a lot of jobs. I've never dated. Well, I take that back. I've dated people I worked with. On my first job, the f- for I dated everyone. I, I literally mm-hmm. went through and dated my producer, my co-star. Yeah, like, I, I, that was it. Just those two. But it's just so dirty. We have an episode about it this season where uh, we call it the proximity crush. It's like who? It's oh, like that's fucking brilliant. Who, you yeah. people so often end up dating and marrying people they work with because they're the one who's there. Yeah, they're it's just like, literally, dude. There. <laughs> that is fucking brilliant. Yeah, and and you have so much to talk about at dinner. Yes, because yeah. you just talk about work. Because you just complain about work. So you and they like, understand the, what you're suffering through. That's yeah. all that love is. It's yeah. just the you pucks. understand the suffering of each so other. So that's like the problem is like you fucking relate hard to people you work with, but work you should slice off your genitals the moment you walk into <laughs> yeah. the office yeah. and it's yeah. tough because we are that that's the whole thing about being human is that nobody wants to admit that we're just animals like nobody like so much of humanity so much of religion is just like we're not animals we're actually the chosen people and we'll be exalted to heaven if we're yeah. good and don't act like animals and it's like no we're fucking animals i have hair in my asshole like we're fucking like absolutely animals <laughs> I have hair in my asshole <laughs> yeah, it's, no no yeah. good no beautiful being has hair all up in their ass you know what i mean and i do so yeah. the thing is we're walking upright our backs suck we're like sit at these desks and we get scoliosis and back pain and like we're just these humans new smoking yeah (laughs) and it's just like it's just like you just want to fuck what you see and it's not that interesting and you have to pretend you're like this person in a suit and that's kind of what the show's about it's like all this pretend bullshit where it's like we're just in pain and animals that are alive for like a minute yeah proximity crush that is so i'm falling victim of that i've yeah i've i've never you know ever since i've been married i've obviously never dated anyone i worked with but there are times where you d- develop a crush yeah and it's and a mutual I've, I've been i've had mutual crushes on girls i worked with that i probably had a crush on me but we were both married and you just become like such best friends yeah my our our director and co-creator pat bishop we go to the same used to go to the same coffee shop every morning and this episode started when we were admitting to each other that we each had a little crush on the barista yeah but then we were like no we don't we just have we see her every day like i just gives you a drug every day yeah she gives me my morning drugs and (laughs) and now i'm falling in love with her for no reason other than that yeah (laughs) what uh we should probably talk more about the show a little bit but um so what Wait, you were going to tell us that you had a dream where you you pitched a show with us last night so (laughs) so i went into the room uh we were at netflix robbie was there and you yeah. guys walked in, uh-huh. and Robbie's like, D- "I got to tell you, I love what you guys are doing." And by <laughs> cool. the way, what we're pitching is 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 I would say connected to where you guys are. Meaning, it's not a, I'm, it's about me, obviously, but sure. it's 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 darker. Uh-huh. But it's not like Two and a Half Men. Mm-hmm. And Robbie was like, "I love what you guys are doing." You're like, "Oh, thanks." And like, so what are you guys thinking? And they're like, um, 
Bert's a detective, and he's addicted to heroin, and he works down by the docks, and and it's just all about this like infiltrating the scene down there. But it's like dirty and grimy, like kind of like kind of like uh, uh, what's the what's the drinking uh, writer's name? Jar- Charles Bukowski. Oh yeah, yeah. And Robbie's like, I'm in. Are you in? And he looked at me, and I didn't speak up for myself. I didn't advocate. I went, I like it if you like it. <laughs> So and in he, the dream, you were in there to pitch a different show. Very different we show. We came and told him you. that you're a detective addicted to heroin. And I was like, uh, I'm in if you're in. And he was like, cool. And I was like, awesome. And then we walked out and I was like, what just happened? And you guys were like, we just sold 10 episodes. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, cool. To be completely honest, I would watch that show. Yeah, I, I want to see you show. down by the docks. All my dreams after that were episodes of the of, of trying to solve mysteries and if you give me a second i could go through because yeah. you know when i i'll have a dream i'll remember one part and yeah. then i gotta kind of whittle yes uh, one part i can tell you one part was uh these bikers we had motorcycles and uh and when we first met them they were really aggro with me because i brought a bunch of my college friends yeah and my college friends were like saying like fratty stuff and they're uh-huh. like you're not really bikers you're not really bikers so then i had to leave them and then prove that i was a biker and so i bought a green button-up shirt and i buttoned it at the top and had like a flap rim hat and then they're like that's more what we're talking about and i was like yeah <laughs> full episode right there <laughs> that's episode, a, the my perfect daughter, story like my daughter was stuck in a tree uh and i was hitting golf balls and you're on heroin. At her daughter? At your daughter? No, but I was so fucking mad at her because this is so her. Is She kept climbing higher, and I'm like, stop. You're going to get hurt. Yeah. She's like, Dad, we're going to be fine. And I had to get her down, and I was literally dropping her on branches. It was I, I could probably sit through, lay in bed, and figure out all these dreams Yeah. because I dream pretty intensely, especially when I drink. Like yeah. I dream really intensely. I, I quit uh, smoking weed about a year and a half ago because I just smoked so much every day. But when I quit, the first two months after that, the dreams were so vivid. I don't know if anyone has ever done that. When you quit weed, you dream so vividly that it would wake me up like five times a night because I really? was just like, like it's it's the most, in, I don't know what happens, but I guess smoking weed blocks your dreams a little bit or I, something like that. I don't that. know. I dream re- like ridiculously. You had a big brain. Well, I don't know if it's a big brain. <laughs> I stopped taking Xanax. Xanax was, I'd have no dreams on Xanax. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I, 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 some, my cardiologist told me it melts your brain. And oh, really? I was like, yeah. And I wasn't taking a lot of it, but I, sure. I would have taken it last night. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. I was firing hot. Well, thank God you didn't. So now we know about the heroin detective show. <laughs> Dude, that I, we're going to go sell to Netflix right now. What if you see on deadline in two months that we sold that show? <laughs> We'd have to have a conversation. I'd be like, just, hey, can you get me a, a part in it? <laughs> <laughs> I just want a little part. Um, so what, what was, so... Walk me through a timeline of the two of you, if you could, yeah. of you guys uh, getting out here, what you were shooting, that process, mm-hmm. and then to selling corporate. I moved. I went to college in Austin and moved out here. Where U- is that? The U- college? UT Austin, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then moved out here after that and uh, started doing stand-up and met Jake doing open mics around LA. like. Where? fucking anywhere that would have us i mean when we were starting we did Silver like Lake lounge like a lot of east side or downtown like casey's bar and is it casey's bar casey's Grill, irish bar or yeah something downtown like that. just a lot of like sort of and then what was it? westwood bruco yeah um I, I did a show there yeah uh, yeah uh uh who does cash let's see cash fucking he does tj miller's um oh oh podcast. yeah hartzell no, anyway, yeah, he had a show. Down I know there. who you're talking about. Yeah, I yeah. did a show down there one night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
so just fucking anywhere and it's when you're doing open mic starting it's brutal and it's like war and it's like and you're bad at it that's a funny thing about stand-up is when you're you paying s- like sometimes five dollars to tell to do three, to three minutes of material and none of them are good yet yeah <laughs> yeah cash levy cash levy cash levy yeah. he used to run a show down there okay yeah so and it just sucks because it's also you're like when your first couple years of stand-up like the other comics too like may not even in a shitty way but like don't necessarily even want you to be there because now you're yeah. a threat to them essentially <laughs> yeah um so anyway the people you meet that you bond with and like share a sensibility with are like your fucking you know army buddies essentially yeah and <laughs> it's your freshman class and we yeah, all that's came right. out here uh, the both of us came out here and we have a few friends who are in the same boat where we we did want to do stand up but we also have just love movies love movies you yeah know what i, I mean? saw that i saw that in an article you guys talked about what your favorite movies were yeah and how they influenced um, it was a tribeca interview i think uh-huh. and how they influenced what you guys make now mm-hmm. and i thought that's so funny i never yeah. really looked at it that way because my favorite movies growing up were always like fletch or caddyshack or they're yeah. always light-hearted comedies right and it's what i connect to yes i find fun in that and you guys found uh more more darker uh movies yeah were what turned you on yeah i I, mm-hmm. I don't even know what it is it's like comedy is the vessel essentially but like what i love seeing in theaters are like david fincher paul thomas anderson like really dark brutal dramas i mm-hmm. like to be in a dark room and watch brutal dramas but the thing that we can do is comedy but there's no reason why a comedy can't be like a film i guess we're just attracted to filmmaking and and it's a it's a, it was a simultaneous thing with with stand-up we we're doing stand-up but then we were doing stand-up like basically five to seven nights a week you know mm-hmm. eating shit and then on the weekends we'd wake up and make sketches because i really yeah. that is the thing now it's like we were coming about right when the internet was really becoming the way that you got everything dude i can't i was in the pool the other day thinking had I, if I was 10 years younger, mm-hmm. what would my career look like? Because I don't know if I ever would have gotten in television. Right. I, I just would have made my own show. I really like making my own stuff now. Yeah. And so I go, but I was, I was the generation where camera technology changed right after my first TV show. And so I got an opportunity to, to host very easily made television because no one knew how to use this stuff yet. So, yeah. it, but it was, it was a, so I could host and do pilots of hosting for like probably like five years before the technology got to us where it was like now you can make it yeah and that is the true joy of of like being alive and coming now is you actually have way more control Dude, and it's like so much and yeah. what you should be doing and even if you just wanted to stand up which you should diversify but if you just want to stand up <laughs> learn how to edit learn how to shoot and edit and just put stuff on youtube like take control of the internet that is the best gift you've ever gotten and we were coming about right when this was happening so we knew how to make our own shit and we could control the process we could make people come to us by making good internet videos being on twitter and all that stuff too and being funny there but by doing stand-up pounding the pavement there and then literally making sketches our goal was to make tv shows and movies like obviously stand-up is wonderful but and and you you do it which you're like uh, a very rare person who can like tour the world and have a successful like uh yeah, that's, fan base that's rare but that is think. so yeah. rare yeah that's oh, super oh. rare yeah. it really is uh yes and I, it, and a lot of people who do it are famous from tv like the more hacky like the people who aren't as good as you are they get a tv show and the people are like i want to see that famous person and i'm in iowa whereas you've yeah. you've done it more from stand-up but like 
we just always wanted to make TV shows and movies, and hopefully that'll help us with stand-up, but we just were making sketches, doing stand-up, and eventually enough people saw us that where we could pitch shows. You know what I mean? Just making... We made like hundreds of videos. Yeah. And doing stand-up thousands of times. I saw 20 times. of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, we were just, and that's what we did. That Every weekend we were doing that, and every night we were doing stand-up, and that was just like a constant thing, and you just had to like keep believing you'd get a chance to make a TV show. Yeah. Yeah, the... Uh, when I first... When I was probably 28, 29, um, I went out and I had money, so I bought a really, it was called a a GL2, Canon GL2. I had a GL2. And uh, it was like $1,200, a lot of fucking money. I remember, and I got a mic system, and Mm -hmm. I went out and I shot two shorts. One was, um, one was, my. they were both my buddy Croy. By the way, my buddy Croy was in all the, Move the TV shows that I did with you guys. Yeah. Here's the connect. Here's the connective tissue, and why I had a dream about you guys last night is that <laughs> when I when I was young, I, I 29, I started making shorts, and I was like, I'm just bored. I'm not doing anything. The internet wasn't around yet. I mean, mm-hmm. it was around, but it YouTube isn't was. I don't even think YouTube was there yet. Mm-hmm. And I started making shorts, and we made two shorts. One was about. Uh, my buddy Croy was at a diner with all our friends and he told a story about how I tried to kiss him the night before. Mm-hmm. And so we p- showed it in flashback, him trying to, me trying to kiss him and uh-huh. him getting weird. Yeah. And then I show up at the diner and everyone's like, ugh, gets up and leaves. Mm-hmm. And I'm with Croy and I go, what, what's what's wrong with them? And he's like, I told him you tried to kiss me last night. And I go, why would you say that? I didn't do that. And he goes, I just thought it would be a fun way to get them the fuck out of here. <laughs> and, it was like, it was just, and then the other one was about us all taking acid and going to the beach and our buddy uh, thought he was a dolphin. And so we had him out in the beach pretending to be a dolphin and we were just talking about the type of women we wanted to marry. Mm-hmm. And I showed him my video to Barry Katz and he literally said, what are we supposed to do with these? And I went, <laughs> I don't know. And he goes, why would you waste your time? And I was like, I just, wow. and, but that's yeah. where the business right, was. It was just different. Yeah. And so I looked at what you guys did and I watched a lot of your videos together. Some of your independent ones. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, this is what I would have done. We're, yeah. we're just, we're lucky to have come about. I mean, it, it's just a matter of luck of when you're born, essentially. It really yeah. is. I'm lucky to be, I think I'm lucky to be in my 40s now when when Netflix is taking off. And I think you really find your voice as, an, as a comedian after in your 40, 40 after yeah. 40. Yeah. It, definitely after 40. I'm really lucky to have done all that, been able to hit television when it was popular and then declining and then hop on it's all about your age Mm -hmm. and you guys are i mean you're you're making videos where i go this this is beautifully shot thanks beautifully edited it's color corrected it's you're i mean like (laughs) i'm looking at it going this is not a bullshit short well i think that was what part of what helped us get a show is that the stuff that we were making was like near professional quality so they trusted us to like it's the same. You know, I, I have yeah. so many questions about lighting because yeah. the lighting in <laughs> in corporate is yeah. so it's so intense. Well, we hired a French cinematographer. Yeah, he's real French. His name is. Christophe. Are you being serious? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh for real. His well, name is that's the, Christoph Lanzenberg. Yeah, and I think there's the, that's the thing is comedy is treated in a certain way and and it's very flat lighting most of the time as if the lighting doesn't matter and I don't want to be too pretentious but to be pretentious like. 
there's no reason why comedy shouldn't look good. You're still filming it and watching it. It'll mm. it'll hit even harder and be even funnier if it looks great. Yeah. Because it's kind of like Pat Bishop, who's the other co-creator of this, he once explained it like, we dress people up in these incredible suits. It looks unbelievably expensive. It looks like a, a drama, like mm. on on like TNT. It looks like real or HBO. And then the fact you're doing all of that just to tell a dick joke is the joke, essentially. Yeah, but it yeah. really works. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, if you just, you, you should always, if you love movies or whatever you love to do, you should try to do that. You know what I mean? I, I think a lot of people are just like, oh, it doesn't matter. But if you... If you really want to do something, like make it look good, you can do that. It's uh, it's one of the things I think everyone listening should try. Like you're talking about editing your sister's uh, one yeah. video. I I did a I shot a short very very quickly for my daughter's Girl Scout troop. Yeah, but I had done enough editing and everything. It's it's really amazing uh, to shoot something, to shoot a movie, yeah. to shoot like a scene. Yeah. By the way, the hardest thing that I have to compliment you guys on the hardest thing in the world is to take something that's funny on paper oh, or yeah. funny in your head, put it on paper, and then make it funny visually. Yeah. Like, make someone laugh. That is... No one has any idea. That is well, because almost impossible. Because you come up with it. Like, the stuff that ends up in the show, we came up with months or like, maybe even a year earlier, like, on drugs, laughing our ass off. And then a year later... We've hired a hundred people crew. Spent a million dollars. Spent a million dollars. And it's like, okay, now put that costume on and sit there. And while everyone's watching, be funny in the exact way you were a year ago on drugs. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's really tricky. It's it was, hard because it's the circumstances are so different. So then walk me through, let's, walk me through maybe one of my favorite, one, one of my favorite ones I've seen mm -hmm. that you guys did was uh, when the bald guy has you guys come over to move his clock. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That was I we were I was weeping while filming that scene because it was so funny. Yeah. So for the anyone so those of you who don't know, it's you can find it on YouTube. But mm -hmm. one of your supervisors Yeah. Uh his bring, na his his name is Adam Lustick and his character's name is John. <laughs> anyway, you, you guys you can one of the interesting things is you guys always have your own names and everything you should I know. I know we're, we're just so lazy. lazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mistake. It's true really like I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Who gives a shit? But yeah. um he has you guys come over, you guys are uh his his uh, underlings. Him, underlings. Yeah. Has you come over to move a grandfather clock? It's actually it's not even a grandfather clock, it's a it's a well, granddaddy clock. No, it's like what it's it? grandfather. It's like, wait, is it a grandfather? It's not necessarily a man. It's not a woman. Let's just uh, ha have it be. Let's a not gen gender, gender the clock. Let's not gender the clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, but he asks us like on the weekend. He's like on Friday. He's like, would you guys do me a favor? Come help me move some things at my apartment. Yeah, because on... part of the show is like the work. Your job, if you don't have a job, you like ruins your entire life. Even yeah. The weekend. <laughs> um, um. So how did talk to me about? What you had on paper, um, talk to me about the high idea, what you put on paper, and then the shooting of it, what you added into it. That's actually, it's a good one for that, because we, uh, I think on paper, all we all we had was that he, we move it and he like coaches us through it, essentially. Well, yeah, right? we, we, basically the high idea was that it's insane to 
ask someone to drive to your house in a weekend to move a grandfather clock, especially if it's just literally down the hall. You know what I mean? Because we thought we were going to have to move it like to a whole location. So he just basically he's lonely. That's the subtext. And he Mm -hmm. wants us to move his grandfather clock literally just across his room, which is crazy. So we had it. We thought that was theoretically funny. He moves. We move it to the center of the room. He doesn't like it. We move it back. That was literally the joke. But then when we moved it to the center of the room, Adam Lustig, who's a brilliant improviser, um, just started making stuff up about oh Fucking like brilliant. hold on like i'm not sure if that's like, the let right me make place sure if i like start this. doing so, some so scenarios that's him that's him that's that was him. him okay that's fucking hol- by the way yeah. and it's so funny to watch you two he's like so what were the what was the first you're you're uh you're not sure what you want to eat. And he, you- he, he wants to see it in context. So he's like, I want to make sure I like it here. So he's like, let's just pretend we're at a dinner party. Okay. <laughs> and you uh, are a vegetarian. You're a vegetarian. And you just ate the last veggie like roll or something yeah. like that. And now go. <laughs> yeah. And then he just started like creating and improv. And you guys are playing it so dry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that you're not like, it's it's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> and then he has you move it back. So. So that's improv, and then mm-hmm. he and has you move it back. That's part of the, what you had come up with. Yeah, yes. and I think, you know, part of what you do when you write a script is why it's important to write, like, a very well-written script and not just say, like, we'll make it up on the day is because you need to have the bones there so that when you get that, you're like, okay, if this works on paper, we at least have that, but it gives you this freedom to, once you get it, to improvise and maybe beat it. But if you don't have, like, the bones of the script there that's written out in joke form and, like, the idea there, you won't necessarily have the freedom to go nuts once you get that so did, did were, were, was taking your shoes off in the script or in that, the moment that was in the script okay. yeah, yeah, yeah taking your shoes off was the invite to dinner in the script or in, in that was moment? in the script yeah yeah okay uh-huh. yeah and but there was some stuff at the dinner that was improvised and once you it's basically like you should be a rigorous writer when you're shooting something because what you're writing affects 30 different departments yeah there's props there's costumes there's so many different things like when you write a comedy script even though it seems silly there are so many professional adults that have to take your words serious to a t and they have to show up on that day and they better have exactly what you want right when you want it now how much of that did you guys know going into creating corporate and doing what you did did how much did you know you're like oh fuck this is a lot we bigger. knew some but like when you're making your own stuff like you're the you're acting in it and you're the pa and you're the props guy like so it was just scaled up in a huge way i remember when we wrote the pilot you do you do this thing called a production meeting where you all of the department heads like 30 people come and sit around a table and you read through the script just so that like the electrician knows what he needs to do on day five of the shoot and like what the when when it says like we need a dildo in this scene the props guy can be like what color dildo do we (laughs) yeah what and it's curvature to the dildo but what's funny is like when you're doing that because everyone has to it's a comedy script but everyone has to like take it so seriously nobody laughs for like three hours <laughs> reading through and this. like your script yeah. that's full of jokes is like wow i guess it's not you, funny <laughs> yeah you get into a heated debate about dildos and like what color they need to be and it's just like uh it's surreal yeah yeah so wh- then so you guys shoot a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. um and i have questions about some of the stuff you shot yeah i was so g- grateful you guys were coming in because i was like okay um in the party uh in the party one uh-huh. where the where the voice the voice is oh that's matt's that's oh, matt's yeah, thing yeah, yeah. you're yeah, in yeah. it yeah yeah i'm in it but yeah. it was matt directed aparna that, yeah. is in it yeah and no uh, no aparna is not in that one. Oh no 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 Esther uh, little lester little lester yeah 
Yeah. Little Lester's in it. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I should just call her Esther, I guess, now. She's like a legit <laughs> yeah. working. Uh-huh. Well, it's like that <laughs> moment when, like, Lil Bow Wow becomes Bow Wow. Yeah. You know, when yeah. does the rapper lose the uh-huh. Lil? <laughs> I was like, I was watching it, and I was yeah. like, this is so interesting. Where did that... And not to get away from your TV show, no, but please. I have questions about that, yeah. the high one, the yes. dancing one. Uh-huh. I like have real questions about those. <laughs> but like, uh-huh. what was the what was the what was the seed? Like when you go, the idea yeah. behind that was. So the the premise of that short is that these people show up to a party, and there's this like speaker up in the corner of the room that tells them what to do in the party. So it's like try the olives on the table like talk to the person next to you about what they did last night and it came from just going to a million parties around LA and some of them being fun and some of them being so stilted and weird where it felt like somebody was like now ask them what their plans are for the holidays now ask them how they feel about their wife or whatever (laughs) yeah and so it just came from like wanting to exaggerate the feeling I had at parties which is like I feel like I'm reading a script right now when I'm talking to people sometimes. Like, bad small talk, well, yeah, essentially. And also, L.A. is just such a... So few people... Most people are afraid to be individuals. And so, they're just like, they're just like, what are you working on right now? Oh, yeah, mm. where are you repped? Dude. What's your favorite restaurant? And it's just boring. By the way, Bert, you are not that guy. Yeah, we you are sh- the we, complete opposite We of showed up at your house and you started... What was the first thing you said to us? I you don't know. Just, yeah, you don't even know. It's like you are an explosion of weird ideas and, and quirky. <laughs> yeah, you're a beautiful person. Oh, thank you. Uh, I wrote a short when I was your age mm-hmm. called Belt Buckles. Yeah. Belt buckles were really big. Uh-huh. Uh, it was like a really big movement in LA. It's like yeah. everyone had a cool belt buckle. Hmm. And it was the same thing of being young, going to parties, and the conversations you'd hear were just so asinine. But it's it's I, that there, I was wondering if when you, before you shot it, if you realized like what a weird like the way this country's moving and mm-hmm. and, and it, it feels like it's moving a little bit towards um, Fahrenheit three fifty seven or I, th- I hope that that's four fifty one I think Fahrenheit Fahrenheit yeah. four fifty one and Big Brother and like that 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 voice that like now ask them almost yeah. like it it I it it took on a different level for me because I was like oh this is a weird reflection of society and yeah. how everyone's uniform and i don't know anyway yeah um it's called what a nice party and you can watch it. and we actually have an episode about um fahrenheit 451 and uh big brother 1984 this year on corporate we actually really? like because we're obsessed with like yeah just the idea of like the paranoia and the growing uh, homogeneity of everything and just like that it's mm-hmm. all but it's all funny yeah it's uh do you guys have you guys got have your characters gotten into crossfit yet not yet, Season but three, that's hopefully. actually a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, well, I yeah. started. I started. One of the things I. One of the questions I wanted to ask you and was, how, how do you how do you dance the line? Because you're. I think the majority of your fans are probably people that are coexisting in the exact same world. You're kind of. Yeah. Uh, you're kind of representing, mm-hmm. mocking, mocking to a point. Mm-hmm. But you're. But you're punching up. You're not. You're not. Your characters aren't pieces of shit. It's everyone around yeah. you. It's the structure. It's the it's the man. Yeah. Um, and I and I was wondering like how do you f- dry, ride that line of making sure like when you get talked about craft brews, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yeah. I was like, by the way, that's a tough one because there's a lot of guys that are like their lives are defined by craft brews. And by yeah. the way, I like craft brews. <laughs> I do too. Yeah. I think yeah. it's like I think one way you can get away with not punching down or whatever is it's, it's, that's that's a shitty thing to even say punching up yeah. or punching down but no yeah, i get what yeah. you're saying but yeah. but how i think it's because it, when we're coming up with episode ideas it, 
Matt's into craft brew, right? Mm-hmm. So he's genuinely into it so we can make fun of it. Because we can make fun of it because he he understands why it's good. So now yeah. we can mock it mercilessly because he can always be like, wait, but I love craft brew. That's why I want to make fun of it. You roast what you love. And yeah. so I think that's just what it is. If you genuinely are a thing or you like, I love cats because I'm fucking weird, you know, and I'm mentally ill. So we can make fun of those people yeah. constantly because I get how mentally ill I am. I th- yeah. yeah, I think too, it's like within for the people who have this type of job, what we try to always keep in mind in the show is that each character is a product of this system that they're in. So like mm-hmm. individually, all the characters, even if they're a horrible person in the show, are probably fine, but they've been working in a nightmare like corporate system for their whole life. And so they've been corrupted. And so it's like having learning to have like a self-awareness about who you are and what you're taking part in is, I think, part of the show, too. But it is hard to it's hard to walk the line because we we like making dark jokes. Yeah, and it's it's it is, mm-hmm. you know, it's like uh, it's like I I do that a lot with like when I talk about things I like, like mm-hmm. I have a joke about guns now, mm-hmm. and you're like I I hope that both sides are getting this. Yeah, you know, yeah, because you don't want to just you don't want to just be that person that's like these are my politics this no. is how i believe you want everyone to go like oh that's great that's fucking awesome yeah I, we try to just like not pander and present original ideas that even if you are find them confrontational that that's part of it or, or it can be interesting to have that if you if you watch something on our show and you're like this offends me or something it's like i don't know think about it it's i i don't know yeah <laughs> yeah we're not trying to offend at all yeah i, I don't mean, think you are yeah. at all yeah. i i what, what really bothered me about about the press listening to you guys do press was people not it's almost like they didn't watch the show mm-hmm. yeah because people like, are you always, know like because i go mm-hmm. i go the show's first and foremost the show's fucking hilarious yeah like it's mm-hmm. it's a fuck it's beautifully shot it's mm-hmm. beautifully written it's it is a, it's really great and it, f- it felt like it was all coming from this one angle of the way people saw it and i was like i was like oh no this it's just it's the same lane of what i do yeah. it's just a, it's you're just going one stop further well, i think that people when they see dark comedy all they're seeing is like they're like it's dark it's dark it's like that's not really fair yeah. because it's really funny yeah. so yeah. it's kind of light I it's th- like yeah. we're talking about things that theoretically a lot of people won't talk about, but we're making it light. So we're actually turning darkness into light. Therefore, it's the lightest thing you it's could like, really it's do. It's like Fight Club if it was a comedy. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Exactly. I, yeah. I think that's just a part of like when you put something out there, the press creates a narrative about it that you have to engage with in some way oh, like and you can't change it my narrative started uh-huh. i just hopped on it and yeah. i was like all right yeah that's who i am Isn't that a weird thing when you you do get into entertainment you realize oh the media does make stars the media decides who's famous it's all and the it's media one mm-hmm. thing you do and you can't oh, yeah. control it and, and whatever that one thing is often it's the thing you don't want represented <laughs> yep. by you 100 percent. and uh-huh. you just go okay i guess i'll just ride this i one do out. need to yeah. pay for my house so yeah, yeah, yeah. i'll take I have it two kids that yeah okay uh-huh. <laughs> it's really bizarre like the media absolutely does control it it's so crazy so when so not to get a little inside baseball but like so you, did you guys pitch to comedy central first did they come to you and go what do you guys have yeah i, I had written this um because I was trying to, at the time, like, I was doing stand-up and also writing, like, pilots to either get staffed or... If, if you work in the entertainment... Or if you're a comedian, sometimes you'll write a pilot to try to get staffed on a TV show. So I had done that. I had written this pilot that never was going to get made, but the it was called Mary Fuck Kill. And the premise of it... 
The premise. That's what's wrong with this business. Yeah. I already want to see that. If you said there's a yeah. new show called Mary Fuck Kill, yeah. I'm like, dude, there's a website where they have Mary Fuck. I love Mary Fuck Kill. Keep going. I'm in. The the premise. I'll deficit fund this fucking thing. <laughs> the premise was that it was like uh, this guy played Mary Fuck Kill with his girlfriend, and he decided to marry. It was Gwyneth Paltrow, Brad Pitt, and uh, Guy Fieri, and he decided to marry Gwyneth Paltrow, kill. Fuck Brad Pitt and kill Guy Fieri. Yeah. Then they accidentally drove off a cliff and he woke up in a reality where he's married to Gwyneth Paltrow, cheating on her with Brad Pitt and trying to murder Guy Fieri. <laughs> and the way it's pronounced Fieri. Keep going. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's what a bro I am. I fucking love Guy Fieri. <laughs> keep going. Keep By going. the way, he is great. I Dude, do. I am he's a, yeah. fucking awesome. Uh-huh. Have you? Yeah. I, I know him. Like, yeah. I fucking... He is who he is. Yeah. Then, like, that's the one thing I love uh-huh. about people is when there's no separation between church and state. Yeah. When you meet them <laughs> on their TV show. Guy Fieri said to me, he goes, yeah. bro, next time you're in fucking Northern California. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I want to. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. Keep going. So anyway, I wrote that. Comedy Central really liked it. So I had a meeting with them. And Jake and I and Pat in the meantime had been developing the idea for corporate. And uh, they wanted to hear the pitch. So we went in and pitched it. And then they said, great. We like it. Let's write it. Or did they go, let's just make it? They just say they had us write it. So or did we, they say, let's put it on our Snapchat. I, see how it performs. Luckily, <laughs> it was just before Snapchat was everything. Yeah. So they said they gave us very little money being like, all right, well, we'll give them a little bit of money. I doubt this will be anything. But then we cared so much and we worked yep. so hard in it. And they were like, oh, this is actually good. Mm-hmm. And then we, when we got to shot, shoot the pilot, it was like, well, we'll shoot the pilot, but it'll never become a TV show because who the fuck yeah. does that happen to? Yeah. And then we shot a really good fucking pilot because we hired the right people and like Pat is an amazing director and like mm-hmm. it was written well. And then it was like, oh, we have a TV show. Like, oh, we're the stars of a TV show now? What the Well, we fuck? had initially pitched it to as a as like a sketch show. We were like, the initial pitch was like Portlandia, but set inside of a corporation. So it was like, we were going to just follow like various characters. And Jake and I were just going to be two of the characters in there. But they asked us after we pitched it to put, have Jake and I be the leads of it and to make it a narrative show. So then we ended up like reconfiguring it. Was it. Crazy. it was crazy. I like it like that. And, and But there is still elements of sketch. That's right. Like, yeah. like I think there your show, uh, good segments stand alone as well as, yeah i think you, you can do. feel that in there that that was the genesis of it yeah. yeah and so when you you shot the pilot mm-hmm. and then they said let's do 10 of them 10 yeah, yeah. that's yeah. it was insane where were you when you got the phone call of let's do 10 well, and who found out first i think we were at the house where we shot what a nice party right yeah jake, jake and i were roommates for years and uh I've heard Jake come too many times. I've heard Matt come, but not guys, enough. Wait, through, through oh, the, oh, with other people, not through, just by yourself. No, no, no. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> well, both. The walls were thin. Um, but uh, we shot so many things in this house, and I think we're in the living room. When Jake heard about the pilot, though, he was... Uh, Jake oh, had, yeah. yeah. I got really... I had a spinal fusion surgery about four years ago. I don't know if you know what spinal fusion is, but it is the worst fucking thing ever. I don't tell me about it. Um, well, basically, if you have nerve pain, um, even if it's in your leg or your arms, it's actually coming from your spine. Most people don't even know that. I did not know that. And I had this horrible leg problem and i was like literally in constant pain for months and months and months and i was like ready to have my leg amputated and um i was when it happened i was so in so much pain it's so shocking 
You had I a was slip, being slipped disc. I just, you have a herniated disc. It's yeah. a hernia, essentially. Yeah. I was being wheeled into the emergency room by my girlfriend at the time, and I, my manager kept fucking calling me over and over again. I was ignoring it, and I finally entered. I was like, "What?" She's like, "We sold the pitch to Comedy Central." I was like, "I don't fucking care." You know what I mean? I'm <laughs> dying right now. Yeah. And so then we, while that was being negotiated, I like had several surgeries. I had like they removed a little bit of my spine to see if it would work. It didn't. Then well, I and it's a fucking surgery where they don't they go through your stomach. They go through the stomach and the back. Do you have a scar on your stomach? I do, and the I back. See it? Yeah, see it? it's right. It's actually, it's like close to. Oh, that's not that, that bad. That's not that there, bad at all. And yeah. Well, then it's here as well. Oh wow! Yeah, so it's like oh. it's crazy. So they go through. You got a tramp stamp that. Yeah, shit. <laughs> they go through the belly and the back, and um, it's pretty weird. And they they remove uh, some of your vertebrae and then put in sort of cadaver bone and rods and everything. So I and I don't know. There's like one percent of me that's another person, and I wish that who, I, I who wish is I, that guy. I wish I knew if it was a man or a woman or like a politician or a homeless yeah. person. Um, mm-hmm. But I have no idea. And so then you have to recover from that. The bone has to then. It's probably not a politician. <laughs> <laughs> but it would be great if it were. It'd be great if it were. Nixon's backbone is. And in that you. bone has to sort of. Um, that has to like mold into your bone. And then as we were recovering, we wrote the pilot. So that was like a crazy, crazy time. Jake was like on opioids, pitching jokes from yeah the couch. on my back. Yeah. yeah, it was a crazy time. And so then, where were you guys when you found out it was sold to ten episodes? Actually, I think on that couch. Yeah, yeah, on where this I was disgusting couch. When Jake and I lived together, he has two cats, and they just decimated this one couch. <laughs> yeah, just so much cat hair. Uh, but the thing is, yeah. when you get the call, I didn't. At first, I didn't really. I wanted that moment of like I, we did it, but I kind of just didn't. It didn't register to me. It was like, it's too wait, surreal, are you serious? Yeah. Like, we're going to make a TV show? It's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. And then when you talk to other people, like you call your mom and your dad, you're like, by the way, we're making a show. They're like, are you fucking kidding? That's unbelievable. Yeah. Like, I guess that is unbelievable. You're yeah. just, you just been working on it for like a year. So it's kind of not. You're like shell-shocked. You're shell-shocked. You're yeah. like, wait, what? I came here to do this. Why is it working out? Yeah. 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 It just feels like it can't happen to you. Yet we know like. It it happens to a lot of people. It's yeah. it's the business. They uh, need us. It's yeah. well. It's it's the it's the fun part of the business. Yeah. I, that's what I like about the business. It's a little bit of a lottery ticket. Yeah, and it is. Yeah, you just one day you're like oh, I got nothing going on, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're like oh shit I got everything going on. Yeah, yeah. That is the cool. The, this business is very difficult. Um, but it is cool that you could literally and in 10 minutes think of an idea that could then be three years of your life and like pay for a lot of stuff that it, there is always the hope of that isn't that funny it is so fu- it's just an idea that was in your head you're like i ah. like it i like it with stand-up is that like i have uh i have a really I have my favorite joke right now that i've ever written mm-hmm. and uh it's not even written it was it's because it's a story it happened but yeah i i keep thinking to myself one day it wasn't there yeah and then one day it's there yeah it's and magic I, i'm it, like i'm like i'm like obsessed with it's funny too because like when you don't have it you can go through periods where you're like i guess i'll never write a good joke again <laughs> yeah you know what i mean like yeah. just that feeling of like i haven't written a new joke in three weeks and maybe i'll never write one again and then the next day you think of a joke that you tell for years after that it's the craziest part of this business it's also yeah. why we all go crazy because it's like you're just like how where's it going to come from mm-hmm. where's the joke yeah. going to come from do i have to go fuck shit up just to like and Bert, just to have do. a story <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. i get obsessed with looking at dirty dancing going they're all dead i know they're all <laughs> dead like uh-huh. like it's just like that i i get that gets you know one of the things i really did connect with the darkness of of your show is that mm-hmm. I do see misery in life a lot. I and I don't and maybe I don't share it as much, but like mm-hmm. I do see 
the I, I when I get to my low place, I I can say to my therapist, it's the futility of life. Of like, yeah, there's so so this is it, and then we all just die, huh? You just die. That's it. And like that woman one day when she was pretty, like I look at like uh, I was watching Forty Eight Hours with Eddie Murphy and Nick mm-hmm. Nolte, and I was like, and they had this beautiful girl topless dancing at the cowboy bar mm-hmm. and i go and so she's probably dead right now huh yeah yeah she's old as fuck like she was she was that and now people walk past her in a grocery store and go Ugh. it's funny because like i think that sort of fa- when you are opened up to that truth you can it's very sad and there's a lot of misery sad. but the best it can do is sort of just calm you down and, and just like, and free you up a little free bit. you up it's a little like, because it's like nothing's that big bit, a yeah. deal if someone is yeah. someone is being confrontational you can just be like listen this is not going to matter in a few days i should just chill out i i've been watching a lot of road rage videos uh uh-huh. and oh, yeah. i've had my i like youtube i love those <laughs> I, instant karmas are the best oh you're like i love those yeah where you know, like guy cuts off and then all of a sudden yep uh-huh uh, but they fuck up your uh, your DNA for a day, mm-hmm. so all you do is see confrontation everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, all, yeah, and you're like, so where's my fucking road rage moment? Yeah, what's uh, what's the plan? Like, what's the plan? What's you guys are young Hollywood? What's the plan? To make a movie? Do you guys want to do this until the wheels come off? Do you guys will you guys end this early and be like that is all creatively we felt we could fill or will you do that or will you just be like i think that we're if we're lucky enough to get to keep making more seasons of it we'll end it when we feel like it should end yeah you shouldn't do if we're lucky and and will you end it with a fucking office shooting (laughs) <laughs> well, actually, that was one of the first ideas we ever had. Really? But it's like way too dark, I think, for Viacom to put out. But yeah. oh, that's so our sense of humor. Yeah. Well, I guess we can just tell this sketch that yeah. we wanted to do. A we had an idea that we ended show. up not doing because it didn't feel like the world needed more stuff about mass shootings because that's every day in the news right now. But we had an idea of um, like a guy showing up, like like you're hearing his manifesto, and he's like loading his gun and coming into the office like really pumped up to do this and he gets in the elevator and looks over and the guy next to him also has a gun <laughs> and he's like wait are you gonna wait i was gonna oh uh, and the- let's just both go home yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, yeah i think that i think i watch a lot of sports and i am pretty obsessed with people retiring before they suck like i don't like what brett Favre did i'm like really obsessed with people not coming back and like trying to just overstay their welcome so i think so the opposite <laughs> I, I will yeah. brett Favre my career i'll be 60 taking my shirt off hold on i get stuck on my hearing aids i think i just if if you have an idea um that you like i think if you are like listen we've done it you should have the confidence to be like, I'm going to end it and try to do something else. Now, that's very scary because it's paying your rent and more. But I think the idea is like, I want to make a lot of things. I want to make TV shows. I want to make um, I want to make movies. But I really just, you get to a certain point in comedy where you're like, you're trying so hard to get a career that all of a sudden you're like, oh, I have a career. All this is, is just, I just want to work. I'm just yeah. trying to work and have a decent life having fun mm-hmm. and it's having fun is a lot of work <laughs> um and uh the idea is like i'll do whatever if you can have any sort of creative control for as long as possible in this business you're the luckiest person alive you have your own podcast and you can like pretty much have a pretty good career off that that's a dream it's a lot of work but it's a dream if it's a podcast if it's a movie it's a tv show i just want to have agency and have fun getting paid to do comedy because there's no better job no better job yeah, yeah. i feel like uh i feel like you know, being 
given any opportunity to make anything, meaning someone else's money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's such a luxury. Oh, my, oh God. my God. Because I'm, I'm in the place now where I go, I don't, I don't, I want less control. I want less people to control me. Yeah. So I just want to like do my own shit. I think a lot of that too, and not to say, not to piggy t- piggyback onto like, it's hard to walk away from a paycheck, mm-hmm. but it's, I think the most inspirational place you can be in this business is uh, a little bit of broke, a little bit of like, yeah. like starting over, a little bit of refining yourself from mm-hmm. that place. I know that every time I've had a big growth, it's always been fire from Travel Channel, uh, tour canceled, uh, so, you know, yeah. the things like that where you just go, fuck, like you sit there like a, not to gender this, but sit there like a man and mm-hmm. go, what the fuck am I going to do? Yeah. It's a blessing in disguise. In, in in whether it is or not like any sort of hardship or like something gets canceled, you have to look at it as a blessing in disguise because it forces you to be creative and you are creative, which is why you do this thing. And some it once it, there are many reasons why life becomes about the money because we live in a capitalist nightmare and you have kids and you have a house and everything. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of so freeing when you're just like, I have to do my job and figure out what's next. That's beautiful. That's yeah. kind of, you should never stop doing that. But of course you stop doing that because life gets in the way. But if this show's over, then we got to create a new one and we got to be even better than the first time. And that will be hard and scary, but it's like, but what more do I actually want out of life? Yeah, but but do you guys? Would you guys do a movie? I feel like that would be the natural progression for yeah. you too. Yeah, we would love to do. A movie. We would love to. We're, really? Yeah, do we're, you have your ideas? We'll yeah, get some ideas. Yeah, that's what yeah. we we're spending our time now is just like trying to write the next thing and see uh-huh. what happens. But yeah, it's like kind of it's kind of crazy to think of like in your head you you sort of mythologize like a TV show and then you really mythologize a movie and you're like anyone who makes a TV show can make a movie and you just have to believe you can. Mm-hmm. That's a big yeah. part of it is just believing you can do these things. But going yeah. back to what you were saying, it's like the only thing we've or what we've learned from all this and we're very lucky to be in charge of this show is that it almost doesn't matter what you're doing. If you are if you are lucky enough to be your own boss, that's the main thing. You can have a theoretically a really cool job making craft brew. But if your <laughs> boss is a fucking nightmare, it sucks yep. to make craft brew. It's yeah. like that is the if we uh, button it on this, that is the irony of what you guys. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. Is that you guys are uh-huh. making a show about corporate, but you are cor- you are the corporate, and I we're know. working for you. Are the you are the sh- 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 <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking great. Well, I I, I genuinely appreciate you guys coming in and doing oh, thanks this. Thanks for having us. And um, it's an open invite. If you guys ever want any to promote anything, please, 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 just hit me up. I'll make sure we all have each other's numbers. Yeah. Oh, thanks and just for it. text me. And and even if you don't have time, but you're like, hey, can you where are can you just mention the show yeah. or something? That's so kind. Uh, thank you. Just thank I'll, you, man. I'll, yeah, it means no, a lot. And thank you for having us on. We really appreciate no, it. No, dude, this is um, you know, I think this business has changed very different from when I started. When I started, people my age would look at you guys and go, "What the fuck, dude? Yeah. How, what was when was my turn?" Right. <laughs> but I think now this business has changed in the place where where you guys where people like myself go like, "How fucking cool! That's inspiring." Like all I thought yeah. about right now, all I thought about is like. Um, hey, why am I not just shooting? Why don't I just shoot a scene that I want to shoot? Yeah, because I have all the equipment. Uh-huh. I could, I know how to do it. I can edit it, and I got. I'll just use my family. I was like, why don't I just shoot a scene? The only problem, only problem is I want to do multicam. That's but the other you, part. Is uh, that you guys pitched uh, single cam, and I yeah. was like, I really want to do multicam. Yeah, but <laughs> but in, you in, would be good at multicam. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you'd kill it. But in yeah. general, I think what people need to realize is that. Anything that happens is just something that someone thought of and then they decided to go do it. Yeah, it's it's just like a literally you can it. create a video that gets seen a million times 
right now, if you just go and shoot it and edit it, it's like every you just have to go do it, and that's, that's who does it. That's yeah. the number one thing I think people go like people say to me like your your Instagram videos are so funny. How do you how do you do them? all? The only thing about me ever shooting anything that I've ever put up is I start with putting the camera out without an idea, and I go, all right, let's do it here. And then yeah. you look at it and you're like, oh, this would be, oh, you know what would be funnier? And then yeah. you just got to start. You got to hit, you got to hit record. Yeah. You have to be willing to fail a bit. You That's have to be, the best possible you have to be thing willing to just fail a million times and not, don't be scared of it. Yeah. Most of like comedy and writing and, and anything is editing out the bad stuff. It's like, you got to just like do it until it's good or keep doing it. Like, yeah, you start making a video and eventually it's good, but you don't put out the first few drafts of that video. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. We're going to wrap this up. I'm going to tell you the movie pitch that I have for me and Tom Segura yeah. that, that I haven't pitched to Tom yet, but I think is absolutely fucking genius. Yeah. And then, uh, and then everyone should go, everyone should go watch corporate January 15th on comedy central 30 PM. January 15th. That's when this will air. Mm -hmm. It's January 15th already. Oh my gosh. My wow. tour has been, God, my tour has been so successful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you everyone so much for seeing me in Seattle, Vancouver and Calgary this week. I'm in, Oh, this week. Oh, Lee, I just interviewed Lisa Traeger. Uh, today <laughs> speak of the devil i don't know when that'll be airing but i'll be at danforth uh where's that in toronto and then this weekend i'm in ottawa <laughs> and then i'm in indianapolis and st louis oh and i'm staying on the road i'll be living on my tour bus until i get to albany damn fuck you have yes. a pretty cool life you made for yourself dude i'm telling you what's really crazy about this is that in watching your interviews and watching uh, the press you do for for the show, I am the exact opposite in that I've never been happier in my entire life. I've I've been saying that to a lot of people. Yeah, this is the happiest I've ever been, and I think it's because I have more control of my life. Oh, yeah, and I'm doing just the things I want to do, and like, and it's nice to go like, you know, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? Uh, we have this idea that you know that the, it's already greenlit. Do you want to do it? And then going. No, no, I want to work on this next special. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna really focus for a full calendar year on this next special, and I want to, I want it to be the best that I've ever done. And yeah. then, and then I'm gonna, and then I'm gonna put stand up on a back burner and work on other projects. But for one year, I'm just gonna, and to not worry about money, to know that you can pay your bills, yeah, and go. I'm just gonna work on this creative thing. That my podcast, uh, if I'm. If I, if I could let go of a little bit of the control, I'm a little bit of a control freak. Sure. If I could let go of that a tad bit, that would make me a lot happier. But you being a control freak is probably what makes it yeah. work to some extent. I, I think so. I'm yeah. a little bit of a micromanager. I'm tough to work with mm -hmm. and for um, just because I, I, I don't know. Well, we're trying to figure all this out. <laughs> but you know what? You're also doing great. And the fact that you have control like, and you're happy, like that's all that really fucking matters. It's great. Yeah. Dude. Congratulations on all your success, gentlemen. You too, man. Uh, to the next time when we podcast. Definitely. Next time. Do you guys, either you drink? I do. Matt does. You don't drink? That's a good call for you. I know. Well, yeah, I, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because I know what would happen if I did. <laughs> awesome. Thank yeah. you, guys. Thank you. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.